Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Caleb Blager. And today's a big one. One of the biggest films of the year and my most anticipated, The Batman. A true gem and one of the best Batman films of all time. We are we have a lot to unpack about this thing. This is a uh, this is big. Uh, but first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, four trailers to discuss. First, we've got the final trailer for Morbius, which is still claiming an April 1st release date. Uh, here's hoping, fingers crossed. Uh, at least this time, we got to see a little bit of Matt Smith's villain, uh, whose name escapes me because I don't think they've told us yet. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll see it. I'm apprehensive, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to watch it, but my my hopes of this being good have dwindled so much because I think before that last delay, this the Batman was going to be one of the final holdovers from the pandemic. Um, I, I won obviously other than Tom Cruise finally needed to keep delaying his fucking productions. Um, but. Batman was one of like the last major ones, and then they did this fucking move, and this, the the whole delays worried me from the beginning because it just felt like instead of writing the high that were, that they should have been writing when No Way Home came out and you know coming out this in January, they were like, oh let's let's add some stuff now, and then they fucking pushed it again, and it's like you guys should have left it the way you fucking had it. Rode that high, you probably would have had a successful film, you know, because everyone would have Spider-Man fever in January. But now, you know, the Batman's out, and you're coming out a month away from Doctor Strange. Like, I just don't see it. It's, ugh, I'm, I'm just not excited. Like, I should be, but I'm not. Like, I'm going to watch it, obviously, but I'm just, I'm not that, I'm not hooked. I wonder if Jared Leto will ever get to be part of a smooth superhero film production because <laughs> with you know Suicide Squad and the Snyder Cut and Morbius, every like the, the guy just can't catch a break. Yeah, Bailey, this should be a sign. Stop accepting superhero movies, Jared Leto. Just <laughs> you got an Oscar, you got your Island Cult, you look like Jesus Christ. Do do what you want. <laughs> you don't need this. Uh, yeah. Next up, the second trailer for Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore, which comes out April fifteenth. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I thought it was funny that they put J.K. Rowling's name in this trailer. That was interesting. After spending quite a bit of time making sure they distance themselves from her, um, Warner Brothers is trying to have their cake and eat it too, and I have a feeling that's not going to work out. It never does. Nope. And I'm I'm getting an. I'm glad you're a little bit more optimistic because it's I am still not excited. Like I, I have not liked this like spin spin-off franchise. I really didn't like the second movie. Dear Lord, did I not enjoy that second movie? Um it yeah, I just nothing about this is grabbing me. I get it. I'm I don't know. I just I think I'm excited to see what Mads Mikkelsen does with the Grindelwald character and seeing him go, you know, have some scenes with Jude Law is going to be exciting. And uh, I am very interested to see the implications of giving a muggle a wand. And apparently you can just give regular people magic, which 
seems to be something that should have been addressed uh, much earlier. But JK keeps rewriting the mythology in ways that fit this story, and that's not that's not a good sign. No, it's not. And I it sucks because like you mentioned right there with Jude Law and Max Milkson, those are actors I really like, and they usually do really good. And I and I do think Jude Law does great as a young Dumbledore. He's one of the few things I actually enjoyed about the second movie. And the fact that those two are going to be sharing scenes together, I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, but I just get the feeling that those two are going to be it as far as like the enjoyment of this film. Because I think Ezra Miller is coming back or whoever the long-haired dude is. And I did not like him in the first one. I thought he was whiny and fucking annoying. And he's back. And I'm like, yeah, that's not who I'm excited to see. <laughs> I... I don't think it was a smart move to start this out with Newt Scamander as like the main character. Cause now it has nothing to do with him. Like literally you could cut him out of the story and nothing will change. So I don't know why that was like, he became the main character of this. It doesn't make sense. Like maybe start with young Dumbledore facing Grindelwald and have that be the basis of your, of your franchise uh, instead of Newt Scamander hunting down magic animals on the side in the middle of a giant magic war. You know what it reminds me of? Gotham. What? They couldn't decide what they wanted to be a prequel for. Yeah. Have you gotta have that vision. I think that's why like X-Men first class worked out so well. They knew exactly what that was. Better call Saul. They know exactly the story they're telling. Especially with prequels, you need to be you need to be mapped out. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know what parts of the story to include, what parts to not include. Because if you just make it, you start making shit up, stuff's, stuff's gonna get lost, plot holes are gonna get made, you're gonna lose your audience. Well, that's why prequels have such a bad name. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times they do it as a last ditch resort because there's nothing left. Or if they're fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre 03, you're like, hey, we're super successful. Sequel? Nah, prequel. Like, still doesn't make sense to me to this day. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's usually a sign of like, we don't know what we're doing. Like you said, they come with Sean the Fly. Um, kind of go back to that TCM analogy or whatever reference. You know, they, they show you things that no one cares about, like how the grandpa ended up in the wheelchair and how Sheriff Hoyt lost his two friends. Like, I don't give a fuck about that stuff. Um, but when you have your ones, like you said, X-Men First Class, right? Great example. Um, and the, really the first two of that that prequel trilogy, um, I know you like it a bit more than most. I'm in the majority that could not stay in Apocalypse for the most part. But those first two, like, you could tell there was a map out of what they want to do and where they wanted to go. So it works. We could get on board with it and we could enjoy it. Um, I just, I, I don't feel like the, it's never been the case with this Fantastic Beast series. It was clearly, for whatever reason, J.K. Rowling feeling like she needs money, even though she probably makes huge amounts off royalties of Harry Potter. Um, and that's all it's felt like to me. It's, it's felt like a cash grab. It's continuing to feel like a cash grab because there's no goddamn clear vision. And I thought maybe by getting David Gates on board, to direct these films that okay we'll have a vision he's done like some of the better harry potter films in my opinion in the later half of the series when they went more adults um but even he i feel like he has been given nothing to work with and he is just doing his best i'm starting to think it wasn't about money with rolling i i think post harry potter and this is just my speculation i think her work after harry potter the books she was coming out with were not getting the same response from fans i think she was feeling maybe a little uh creatively uh creatively tapped out so i think going back to the potter well is her way of trying to stay relevant but then you know her constant 
remarks on Twitter are fucking that up. So, you know, pick a lane, either continue a profitable career or shoot yourself in the foot again. I mean, it's a clear option for me, but you know, some people can't help but keep shooting themselves in the fucking foot. Yeah. Her and like Chino Carano, it's like, just shut up. You don't have to post it on your social media. My favorite thing about the Gina Carano thing is the like the weird political movie she's making with like the Hercules guy and all that shit. She keeps she's claiming it's going to be bigger than Star Wars. Like, no, it's not. It's like it reminds me of like in Futurama when Bender's like, I'm going to, you know, for my own hotel with blackjack and hookers or whatever the hell he says. Like, no, everyone who claims they're going to be bigger than Star Wars fades into obscurity so goddamn fast you know who the last person who said their project was bigger than star wars was john travolta the project was battlefield earth god yeah so maybe don't say that yeah i just thought it was so funny about her whole situation was they told her stop they gave her a chance they're like hey look not gonna fire you but you need to stop posting this stuff on social media and as long as you do that, we're good, we're square. And I'm like, that seems like that seems pretty reasonable coming from Disney. Like, it's a pretty reasonable request. Like, hey, you can we're not saying you can't have your beliefs, just think about your attached to our product. Don't be posting stuff on social media. I get that being in the military, like we can't just sit there and be like, you know, fuck blah 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 and go off. Like when the military, there's certain, you know, I'm not I'm not putting certain things on social media because of my job. Much less, even honestly, personally, I just don't like posting that show on social media. I think it's fucking stupid. No one gives a shit. Um, well, and her reaction being, you know, from that very reasonable request of, you know, you're representing the Mandalorian, don't do not do that, was very much like, they're trying to silence a patriot. Like, just you, you right. go straight to that extreme, and you extreme, look even crazier. Right? Like, you doubled, she doubled down. She posts, like, way more. And I was like, all right. And like, like not, you know, like she's posting serious anti-Semitic shit, like crazy evil shit. So like with that yeah. in mind, you know, fuck off. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, Disney gave you your chance. They were very reasonable. You you overreacted for lack of a better word for an understatement. And you got yeah. fired. It's, it's just that simple. Like you got fired. You lost your show, which is being reworked into one of the existing Star Wars shows. What the fuck they're doing with it? I just read, um, apparently they're adding uh, a new character into the Ahsoka show played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's then going to be kind of remolded into Gina Carano's character. And then she's going to like kind of go the path that that character was supposed to go. That would be cool. Um, I really like Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead anyway, so I'd be down for that. Yeah. As far as, I'm, as far as I know, she's not an anti-Semite who's also an attention whore. So that's a good start. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, uh, point is, geez, point is, if you want to say anything from the story, the moral story is, your opinions are not that fucking valid. You don't have to post on social media your political beliefs, because no one truly gives a shit, my, except for you. Um, and two, not that excited for the new Fantastic Beasts movie. <laughs> um, next up, The Bubble, a Netflix comedy from Judd Apatow, starring Karen Gillan. Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, Fred Armisen, Kate McKinnon, Keegan-Michael Key, and David Duchovny. It's Netflix on April 1st, and this looks very creative. A, uh, a movie about the pandemic and how it affected a major film 
that's being filmed. And uh, this looks funny. I'm I'm going to watch this. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know if they finally are getting the talent to meet their fucking quantity output or what. But between this and the previous for the Adam Project, I'm a little bit more on board so far with the Netflix movies this year. Um, I'm going to check out the Adam Project. And I'm, I'm going to watch this. It looked pretty funny. Um, I didn't know David Duchovny was in it. And because I was watching it, and I was like, was that Duchovny? Because it happened real fast. He has like that first quick little scene. Where you can't yeah. see him and he keeps going. I'm like, is that who I thought it was? And then when he had the scene where he was like, you're not paying to come back. Stop it. I was like, oh, my God, it's Duchovny. <laughs> he looks like that X-Files episode where Mulder and Scully ended up on the like the ship that was causing people to age exponentially. Like he looks like that version of Mulder now, and that's bumming me out. People get older, dude. But Duchovny looks like burnout older. Like he didn't age gracefully. Probably because of his whole, you know, his supposed sex addiction and then getting divorced. He's had a rough little personal life. I thought drug addiction made you age, but apparently sex addiction is the one that drains the life out of you. Well, I mean, you're constantly looking for that next nut. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> really, really sucks the soul out of you. <laughs> I am excited to see him again. I am a fan. I know I bust his balls a lot, but I, I do like the company and I am excited to see him in a I, mainstream film again. I was I was telling Josh about it. I was like, I think his uh his very try delivery works so well in comedies. I've always really liked him in comedies because he has such a try delivery and it works every time. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the rest of this cast is fucking stellar. Pedro Pascal is becoming one of my absolute favorites. So yeah, excited I'm to so see him. So as that dude's stock hasn't risen. He's like in everything. It's awesome. Yeah. He, apparently, um, he has had more screen time in the Star Wars universe than any character. Oh, it's Mandalorian. He's yeah. the main character. Mandalorian and Boba Fett. He's, he's stocked up more That's right. screen time than Luke Skywalker, than Darth Vader, than Han Solo. That's right, Mandalorian season two point five, folks. <laughs> Pretty much, I figured out why it's called the Book of Boba Fett because it's a chapter in the Mandalorian story. That's what I'm going with because that's I never got an explanation on why this is called the fucking Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I stand by that it was one of the most oddly structured shows I sat through. It was, but you know what? I didn't hate it like everyone else seemed to. I didn't hate it. I did start to kind of fall off when I was like two episodes that were like, he just had a, a non-speaking scene and I'm like, you're the title character. What is going on here? But then they kind of brought it all back with that final episode. I was like, oh, that was a really good final episode though. Did you watch the uh, Honest trailer they did? Yeah. It, I made, yeah. Disney doing a crime lord show with no crime. Not Maybe not the best idea. That was, that was smart. I was like, yeah, good point. Boba never actually does anything. His storyline moved so slow and he achieved nothing. <laughs> I love the idea that he's like, you know, I must protect these people. Like, they don't even fucking know you. Like, no. What people? What loyalty is that? I don't know. I, I feel like this could have been accomplished by maybe, you know, more episodes. But More episodes are maybe just we didn't need this show. Just Mandalorian Season 3 or the other name shows coming out. Mandalorian season three with like, you know, maybe Boba Fett is the supporting character in that season. And then we get some side plot, you know, some side plots with Boba Fett. But, you know, what do I know? I just am a writer who happens to like Star Wars. Maybe I can tell good stories. I don't know. Not up to me. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, no, this going back to the bubble. This does look really funny. Like the cast is good. Um, like I said, I don't know if Netflix has gotten their quantity of quality fucking mentality out of their system after last year. But this is another film they advertised where I was like, this actually looks pretty good. So February, they're already two for two and getting me interested in films coming out, what they're doing. And I'm a sucker for films about filmmaking. So that also was a big plus for this movie. It has a has a Tropic Thunder vibe to it. So yeah, and I love Tropic Thunder. So same. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this. Uh, plus, I love, you know, random Netflix and streaming trailers I get to, you know, movies I didn't plan on seeing for this show. But now it's like, you know, extra bonus movies. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to text you. I was like, have you seen this trailer? So I was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, Bullet Train, an action comedy starring Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Zazie Beetz, Michael Shannon, Logan Lerman, Brian Tyree Henry. Hiroyuki Sonata and Joey King. It's theaters on July 15th, another action comedy with a loaded cast that looks very entertaining. Yeah. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's fucking David Leach. So, like, I think it's awesome that ever since John Wick, he's both of them have done nothing but find ways to create these kick ass action films with like stellar stocked cast. Um, yeah, no, I finally, I saw the show and I was like, yep, you got me. I'll be there a day, fucking one. It's like so much fun. Um, I think it's interesting that Sandra Bullock's in it, but they don't show her, which has me thinking she is going to somehow probably be the ultimate bad person Yeah. Um, that we see at the end. Probably. But, yeah, I'm down. Uh, lots of fun. Like, I was actually surprised at how much I was, like, generally laughing during the trailer. Like, when that went, you want to talk this out? Nope, not especially. That's what I thought. <laughs> I get something sparkling, <laughs> just <laughs> crushing it on the guy's head. Yeah, good stuff. It's going to be fun. Um, that's all for trailers. Next up, Ariana DeBose and Alessandra Nivola have joined the cast of Craven the Hunter. DeBose will play the voodoo priestess Calypso, and Nivola will play the film's villain, who has not yet been revealed. Uh, you may remember Alessandro Nivola as uh, Dicky Moltisanti in The Many Saints of Newark from last year. Uh, and if you want to go further back, Pollux Troy and Face Off, which is fucking great. Can't believe that's the same guy. Uh, so, yeah, I wonder who he's playing. Which Spider-Man villain is going to be the bad guy of Craven the Hunter? And, yeah, I'll say, what Spider-Man villain are they picking in a movie that's starring a Spider-Man villain? So, <laughs> I mean, they already got Chameleon as, like, Craven's brother. They cast him already. So I'm thinking of people in that circle, kind of like the, you know, the Spider-Man mob circle. And I'm thinking maybe the Rose, Richard Fisk, Kingpin's kid. Maybe. Yeah. He's got that know. look. He looks very much like the character in the comic book. I think I, I, that's a, I think it's a good bet. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That, and they could, that would explain why they aren't saying who it is, because that could be their connection they're wanting is that, oh, it's Wilson Fisk's son, you know, type of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm actually like, this was a film that, like, I know you mentioned it, and apparently you need to just keep saying you don't think these films are coming out. Oh, my so God. Let it go. I've moved on from that. It's coming out. I know it's coming out. Oh the moment you say it, like, movement happens on these movies that I even I forget about. I'm like, maybe it's not because they're not doing anything. I will say, I don't, I'm worried on how long they'll be able to hold that January date if they're still casting and have yet to do production on this movie. 
I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it'll work out. And Ariana DeBose, who uh, just, I think, scored an Oscar nomination for West Side Story. Uh, interesting pick for Calypso. Uh, yeah, this is shaping up to be a very interesting cast. Yeah, I still have my reservations about Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven, but... I'm waiting to see some footage of him, like, bolt the fuck up and, like, with black hair. Because then I'm sure it'll be like, oh, that's Craven. Yeah, like I said, I'm not... And we'll get into it when we talk about the Batman. I'm not one of those that's like, oh, this isn't you. I would have blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm, I will always give these things a chance because we never know until we see the, the footage and the movie play out. I'm just saying, like, as of now, not the person I originally thought of for the role, but I will wait for the footage to see um, yeah. how he does. Matt Reeves has proved to me that, you know, Trust footage before you before you no you know judgment. No one did it, but I still felt like Pattinson wasn't the guy until I saw you know the lighthouse and then some Batman footage. I'm like, oh okay. So I got you know now I'm learning trust the process. Oh, I was about to say I've been like that since no one with Heath Ledger, and I've been like that all my life, pretty much. With like, let's see what the footage is before I get up in arms about who they cast. Well, good for you. I have apparently been a judgmental bastard until about a year ago. So yes, you have. So I need you to work on that. I am working on that. Um, this was weird. Amazingly, there is a sequel to I Am Legend in the works. Uh, Will Smith is returning alongside Michael B. Jordan. Akiva Goldsman is returning to write the script. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Will Smith blow the fuck up at the end of I Am Legend? He did in the theatrical ending. Unless they're trying to pull a whole switcheroo and make the alternate ending, the canon ending. Which, uh, if you're wondering what that is, and you don't have the Blu-ray like I do, um, he lives in that one. Like, they give the body back, yeah, and it takes it, and the creature leaves, and then they escape. Which I think was actually technically what the director liked better. Like, everyone on board liked that ending better. That's what they wanted to go with. Yeah. Then the studio was like, no, you gotta change that ending. Or something happened where they got told to change the ending. Well, the original ending is the ending of that story. It's the whole point is that in this world that is run by monsters, he's the he's the monster to, to this society. That's the whole point of the story. I am legend. So by not having that, you've ruined the whole fucking point of the story. <laughs> so, this, was, yeah. uh, this was weird because like when I found out, it was after, and I'm sure you have it. I, I'm hoping you have it so we talk about it. But it was literally, I read that after I read the whole Fede Alvarez news. Um. Yeah, I got that. So not, that's coming. Yeah, that's coming. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm, okay, I don't want to spoil it because I don't. That's gonna be a fun talk. Um, and I went from like generally excited reading the Fede Alvarez thing, like oh my god, to like what? I I am Legend sequel. It's like, but if you go by the, the the theatrical ending, he died. Why? Why is Will Smith coming back? They're gonna do like, some shit where he like, you know is like on the verge of death, but then he uses that serum to like heal himself somehow, or he got like blasted away from the bomb or they're going to do some magic movie shit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just try to, you know, fuck with audiences and say like, Oh, it's not, we're going to go with the, the preferred ending and act like that was the ending we should have gone with all along. You know what I mean? Yeah. The descent treatment. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well, we'll see. I, there's a good to fair chance this movie won't ever happen. I mean, it just feels like it's on a, you know, on thin ice already. So I can, I can see Will Smith backing out of this. 
Yeah, but at the same time, isn't he one of the biggest reasons this is happening? I I, I didn't read further. I saw the headlines like, all right, we'll talk about that briefly. So maybe. I, think <laughs> I don't care that much about this. I think he's one of the reasons this is happening. Whatever. Well, we'll see. I haven't watched I Am Legend in like almost like over a decade. So uh, maybe I should revisit that. I still like it. It holds up for me. I bought the Blu-ray at a gas station for three bucks because I was like, eh, okay. So it's it's there. I'll watch it. Uh, there is a new Alien movie on its way from Fede Alvarez, director of Evil Dead, Don't Breathe, and Don't Breathe 2, and the producer of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ridley Scott's producing. Because uh, apparently all Ridley Scott wants to do anymore is serious biopics, Blade Runner, and Alien. Well, and uh, and the Gladiator sequel, he has been talking about that quite a bit recently and saying that a script is complete, ladies and gentlemen. I'm saying it right now, a script is complete, and he's talking about shooting it soon. I wonder if anything's going to be mined from that original Gladiator 2 where, like, Maximus fights his way through hell and ends up in Vietnam. (laughs) I don't know. I, I am so against Gladiator sequel. Like, I don't need it. I don't think... With the exception of like The Godfather and The Lord of the Rings, I don't think Best Picture winners should have sequels. Just doesn't feel right. But that's a conversation with another filmgasm contributor. It's okay. You don't have to go to that scary Oscar world. It's okay. I won't. I don't. I mean, a movie's a movie, regardless of if it gets Best Picture or not. There's a certain gravitas it gets. I just I feel like it's a complete story that we don't need more of. You know, especially Gladiator. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I care less if it's Best Picture or not. If the story necessitates a sequel, then they are fine. But I know you couldn't care not. less, but I, I, I do care less. Gladiator just does not necessitate a sequel, regardless of its fucking Oscar win. The point is, Fede Alvarez is doing an Alien movie. Uh, I guess yes. so we're getting an Alien TV show from Noah Hawley and an Alien movie from Fede Alvarez. Yes. Maybe they'll connect, maybe not. I don't know. So... The what they were saying with this, what they were sorry, first you just born what I paused. My cat keeps trying to drink my dog's fucking water bowl, and I just grabbed our water bottle we have for spraying them, and I just sprayed him from where I'm sitting. I think I hit him. Um, but uh, yeah, no, with this, what they were saying, because I read up on it, um. It's not connected to Ripley or anything. It's its own unconnected story. So it's it's something that I I felt like they should 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 have done. I stand by it with a lot of these franchises. Well, I'm saying by it, but then you know I saw the Lord of the Rings trailer and wasn't that impressed. That like you can make these stories without centering around these characters. You're so determined to center around like you have a whole universe you create. Fucking play with it. Um, that's what it sounds like they're doing. It's going to be unconnected to that stuff. I don't know. So I'd like, as far as the show, I I don't know how connected to the show will be because Noah Hawley's been pretty like silent about what he's doing with them. And that show's not coming out till 2023. If they're just announcing this, I'm expecting the movies around the same release date, depending on when they start casting and things like that start happening. So, well, an but, alien movie with like the level of gore Fede Alvarez is known for. Uh, this ought to be interesting. 
Yeah, I'm say if anyone to me has proven that they could be able to do this, it's Fetty Alvarez. Like he'll he'll give us the goal, he'll give us the practical practical effects. Like he's going to give us what we want in Alien film. So I'm I'm personally like really excited. Um, Bailey Scott, he had his chance as far as I'm concerned to come back and give us the films we wanted. And now that we got Prometheus and Alien Covenant, so yeah, let's have some new blood, have reigns like they sure don't fucking Neil Blomkamp. Mm. But Scott apparently didn't want that to happen. You know, that version sounds awesome. So, I wonder how uh, involved Ridley Scott's going to be as a producer. Because, I mean, this is his baby. I wonder if he's going to pull that card. I I don't know. At the same time, I wonder if he's going to back off. Because I got the feeling that, you know, he pulled his kind of a dick move with the whole Alien 5 situation with Camp And the studio was interested in proceeding forward with that. From what I understand, Sue Reaver was interested. Michael Bean was interested. Like everyone was interested in this this take. And Scott came in and said, well, I want to do an alien movie. And then they shut it down. Like he kind of he kind of pulled a dick egotistical move and used his cloud to get hit what he wanted made and God bless someone else touch it. And I think after like the reception he kind of got with those two films, you now people reacted. I wonder if that was like the, the beating he needed in a way to take him down a few pegs and be like, okay, well, that did not work. So I'm just going to produce and back off and let someone else take this over. Cause it's like, no offense, Scott, you're only getting older. And eventually there will be new blood taking these things over when you're gone. It's just how it is. Especially now that you're owned by Disney, they don't give a fuck. They will make sure this shit keeps going. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad they kept the 20th Century Studios banner and didn't just shelve everything that was R-rated. You know, Disney could have done that. They wouldn't have lost any sleep over it. But I'm glad they decided to do this. Yeah, Disney no, I'm to get more alien. That was that was my whole thing. I was like, don't get me wrong, I was I was terrified of that whole buyout because it just signifies like war I am not enjoying what the movie uh studios are heading towards it's like we see less and less independent studios out there and more of them just getting swallowed by some big conglomerate but i was happy to hear that yeah they were going to keep the 20th century division and use that as a means to get things like alien predator more r-rated brands that they bought to keep going and do that without having to put the disney logo i up there. i do i really do wish though that they had the balls to just put like the fucking you know, the castle and the Pinocchio song of the traditional Walt Disney Studios before a fucking alien movie. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to watch, like, fucking uh, the new Predator on Hulu and that just pops up. They open, like, Alien the Ride at Disney World. Oh, my God. Right next oh. to It's a Small World. They got fucking LV-426. <laughs> the experience. <laughs> and, like, a Predator ride right next to Oh, speaking of which, that was the other thing about this news. It's a Hulu film, so it looks like they're really honing in on Hulu being their output for some of this stuff. That's good. I mean, do you, you know, with them putting so much stock in Alien and so much stock in Predator, do you, and, you know, the crossover world we're living in, do you sense that they might be going in a AVP resurgence direction? I, I can see that if this Alien film is good. If this alien film is accepted well and the Predator film is accepted well, that yes, we could. And I think that's also why, and I think Tech Streams kind of proved it, why they're looking at less of a theatrical thing and more of a let's put it on the streamers because it's an easy win for them that way. They can still get a lot of their money back because so many people stream nowadays. That something like that on Hulu, like 
people are going to lose their minds. They're going to be like, oh, my God, new alien phone. Oh, my God, new predator. So I think they're trying to play it smart and yeah. doing that. And if it is successful, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them be like, all right, we own this now. So that issue's out of the way. Let's see about retrying this team up since it didn't work out the first time. An R-rated Alien versus Predator with a competent director and an actual like buildup to a decent story. That's not a lot to ask for. <laughs> no. And good lighting this time because I couldn't see a goddamn thing in the sequel. <laughs> you either put it like 100,000 miles below the ice or in the darkest fucking mountain town in America. <laughs> There's you don't that, I'd like to see this happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, I think it's possible. Um, I mean, look, because you even said it, like, we do live in crossover, because it's not just Marvel and DC doing crossovers. I mean, we had the whole MonsterVerse lead up with Godzilla versus Kong. So, like, it's happening all over. So I would not be surprised if this is their move, if there are plans in place Yeah. for this. I'm, personally, I'm hoping for the inevitable Predator, predator versus Pinocchio. But you know that's not that's probably not for a few like at least five years. Hey, Alien kills the Disney princesses movie. <laughs> like animated until the alien shows up, and then it's a hard like live action complete tonal shift in like a second. <laughs> I watched the shit out of that. <laughs> Featuring Deadpool. With all the shit they own, I if I was in charge of Disney, I would be pulling this kind of crazy experimental crossover shit all the time. There is some dude on a whole lot of cocaine, probably like going up to Disney execs every day, being like, "So I got this new," and they're like, oh "My God, not again!" If I own the rights to the Marvel universe, to Alien, to Predator, to all the Disney movies, to all the Pixar stuff, to, to Star, Star Wars, Wars, like I would never stop. You know, just kind of letting like the coke lead the way you know what i mean <laughs> just like pick five characters out of a hat and then just just start writing what if like they finally let's i want to say this character's name is bob this, this person i'm imagining working at disney he finally gets one of his ideals recommended and it's a huge success and next thing you know disney just pull giving him piles and piles of coke just, just keep recommending crazy shit <laughs> <laughs> we need we need like you know Georgia the jungle in space or some crazy shit like just start trying some shit like what do you got to lose nothing these guys you know write off 200 million dollar losses like it's nothing they, it they can do whatever they want <laughs> it amazes me most movie companies like are in serious financial sh- situations on a movie that they have flops Disney's like 200 million we lost like 200 with that and it wasn't a success whatever but like I mean in a world where, you know, you need a hit, who is not going to want to see that? Like, even if you have no interest in those properties, out of sheer curiosity, you're going to be like, I want to see George of the Jungle fight the Predator. Like, I want to see what this is. What, Cinderella shows up and beats the shit out of it with a glass slipper? All right, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> There's a movie coming out called Amityville in Space. And just that title alone makes me kind of go like, kind of want to see how this plays out. Is that even... What? Yes. <laughs> they launched the house? Like, how does that work? I don't know. So, see, the beauty is public domain right there. See, now, that's perfect because I do want to see that because I want to know what does that mean? <laughs> that's perfect advertising. Just the title, Amityville in Space. 
The poster is fucking insane. They announced the title of the poster, and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm on board for that. But, yeah, I just – I wish that, you know, maybe the idea well hasn't run as dry as we thought. People are just not picking the interesting ones. Yeah. Well, look, this is – I've said this many times, like, you know, I mentioned, like, if you're on something and bitch about how, like, Hollywood's out there, they're so, so nothing creative going, blah, 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 wang, wang, wang. Then go show them what your fucking money. I guarantee you we're not getting a Studio 666-type film again for a while because no one fucking went out to see it. But you know what we will probably get? If it's a huge, it probably will be huge, more Batman films. So, like, stop bitching bitch and realize that they are responding to how much money they're getting off this movie it's to your money being spent on that ticket to go see that fucking movie yep okay so I've got a brilliant idea Paramount owns the Star Trek franchise Paramount I believe owns the Jackass franchise Star Trek 4 is the Jackass crew just Doing crazy ass stunts in fucking outer space. I would watch the absolute like shit out of that. And then like halfway through the crazy stunts, the Klingons show up and they got to be like legit Star Trek fleet. I love that. They should have an actual Star Trek cast as well, getting exasperated with them. Oh, dude, the Star Trek crew finds a strange new world and it's like Planet Jackass run by John, like King Johnny Knoxville. And he's just, that's just their world. Like, Jackass has never taken place on Earth. It's been on this crazy-ass Earth lookalike. <laughs> See, if I was running Paramount, I would pitch, I don't even have to pitch that shit. I finance it. I make it. It's out. Boom. Like, if I, you know, if I ran a studio, I would, I would use that power all the time. God, that would, that would be so nice. If Knoxville and the gang were up to it, because Jackass Forever, they look like they were pretty much like ready to be like, this is it, we're done. You, you, you throw a couple, you know, you add a couple zeros to the end of that check, and Knoxville will get launched into fucking outer space. So Knoxville, look, man, you do not have to get hit by a bull this time, for the love of God. <laughs> You're getting hit by the fucking moon. <laughs> ah, but, you know, I digress. <laughs> if only uh, so the first we'll be talking about track ass ever <laughs> <laughs> um, finally uh, just real quick character actor Mitchell Ryan has passed away at 88 years old from congestive heart failure he's a veteran character actor who's been around for decades appearing in such films as Lethal Weapon Liar Liar Gross Point Blank Judge Dredd Blue Sky Halloween 6 and the TV series Dharma and Greg as Edward Montgomery a role he played for 119 episodes. Um, he you, have you seen Liar Liar? Yeah, yeah, I have. He's the boss who Jim Carrey gets tricked into calling a pedantic, pontificating, pretentious bastard, and then thinks <laughs> it's a roast. So that's yeah, that's him. Okay, <laughs> that's a great oh movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> God, that is a funny movie. It's solid. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, you know, I love I like to give these character actors their props when we lose them, give people a chance to kind of revisit their work and see, you know, what they might have missed. So, yeah, 
yeah, rest in peace. Uh, character actors, you know, some of the, like, the biggest unsung heroes in Hollywood. Um, they do so much stuff. You know, if you're wondering what a character actor is, I don't know if we, I think we've explained it. I, I can't remember. But if you're going to watch me, you're like, oh, that guy. It's usually a character actor. You always, most people know them as that guy. Film fans like ourselves, you can usually be like, oh, hey, like, I know for me, like, anytime I see Richard Brake, I'm like, oh, shit, Richard Brake. Like, you know, we recognize him by name. Um, but, you know, they, to me, what they, they really are to me, like, the backbone to a lot of films, a lot of TV shows. Like, they're just people that are like, they do their job, they sing it to their roles, they call it in, they move on to the next thing. They're just constantly working, you constantly see them. So, they, they're, they're in a lot of cases to me the true MVPs of what they're in because um, you can a lot of times even if something that's not great they will give it their all so yeah R.I.P. One of my favorite character actor anecdotes was from one of Patton Oswalt's comedy specials he was talking about the time he was at some film premiere or a wedding or something and Brian Dennehy happened to be there and uh, I guess Patton Oswalt was trying to come up as an actor so he was like you know, watching his figure or something, and Brian Denny would just pile and shit on a plate and like look at Pat Oswald. He goes like, "Character actors, who cares if we get fat, right?" <laughs> it was just ah, yeah. Character actors are the best. They always, you know, they're just there. Yeah, if I had any acting really, I would still be a character actor. I wouldn't have to worry about my weight or any of that thing. I could live outside the Hollywood bullshit. Just like you want me to do this movie and then go fuck off to the next production. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'd much rather be like a Willem Dafoe. Than like you know fucking Tom Cruise. Yeah, no, I couldn't do that. Ugh, no. Of course, you know, running my own cult would be fun for a while. But I guess there is some power in yelling at people about COVID protocols. There's got to be power in like literally assembling a a team of actresses to interview to be your next wife. Like that's some evil shit. But who like we would all do it. Yeah. I'd be like, they'd be like, so we can only do singles. I'd be like, let's get some married ones in there. Let's get some Margot Robbie's in here, huh? This is Zenu talking. Zenu does not see a ring. <laughs> oh, God, that's fucked up. But you know what? Emily hmm. married? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so before we get into the Batman, uh, I believe we've got one shutter release for Caleb to tell us about. The Scary of 61st, which is maybe the worst title I've ever heard a movie have. Oh, the worst doesn't even stop there, though. Um, so, you know, I've watched quite a bit of low-budget films in my life. This felt like a really bad student film. Um, Ouch. The acting was atrocious across the board. There wasn't a single good performer. Um that's when I could hear the dialogue. The, the sound mixing was so painfully low and terrible. I could barely hear half. I was jacking my TV up to the point where I, like, I scared myself when I put something else on because it was so goddamn loud. Give <laughs> <laughs> you an idea of how much I was jacking this TV up to here. Um, and I have a sound bar, so that was extra fun. Um, so there was that. Uh, weird, like, okay. I really... Especially on the Batman, we got a lot on pack there. So I don't want to get into a big, deep fucking political discussion. It involved the Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy, a.k.a. the fucker was murdered. Or, sorry, suicide. If you think he was murdered, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, 
but it that is a major plot point. It's the whole Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy. And it is literally the driving force for what happens in the possession. Because I guess there is some talk about him, Dylan, children. Um, I didn't follow the trial all that much, so I don't know all the details. So okay. Well, let me let me fill you in real quick. Um Jeffrey Epstein was running basically a child sex ring for the world's elite billionaires, royalty, anybody who wanted to pay to fuck children. And uh, he was caught. He allegedly killed himself while awaiting trial. And uh, then they caught his partner a while back and she named names off screen. And uh, we'll never know the elite people who should have been taken down by this fucking thing. Of course, as it goes, God bless. They get taken down. They get an image to keep going with. Um well, that explains all the stupid, the fucking, that stupid whole, like, keeping their, the youth mentality thing that has become the new conspiracy theory amongst uh, actors and whatnot. Uh, did they do the adrenochrome bullshit? No, I'm just, no, they didn't. Luckily, I'm just saying that that explains how that conspiracy popped up after the whole Epstein thing. Um, but no, they didn't, luckily. But no, they do, yeah, they go into that big time about, you know, that Epstein conspiracy and, yes, the whole like you know what he was the child sex ring was running because apparently the demon that gets possesses the main character i guess it's either it's either epstein or one of the demons because at one point dudes haven't heard orphans having sex with her and she keeps going pretend i'm younger and he gets like 18 and she's like no younger like 13 so it's like it's a heavy plot point about i mean it is a heavy fucking plot point the conspiracy and the the fucking what he got you know busted for what the fuck this this is like this just fucking happened i mean let it breathe before you start well turn it into a ghost movie when i was on imdb right doing the cast and all that stuff for the review i happened to notice a photo on the imdb with the director and writer of this and i think her her co-star and also writer it's a picture with Alex fucking Jones. To give I'm not you posting it. <laughs> I'm this is fucking horrible. To give you an idea. I didn't know when I went in. I was just like, hey, let's check out this new shutter phone for the fucking show. And I saw that and went, God damn it. I went ahead and reviewed it. So do what you will. Unless, but I'm ashamed of Shudder for picking this up. I, I, I watched this and I was like, Shudder, what the fuck? Like the I look, I try really hard not to not to shit too hard on films. So believe it or not, I know I can go in hard sometimes, but for the most part, like it takes a lot to get a film made. So like, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you even got a film out there. And I know I've said my piece about like I have no issues with social commentary. If you have a smart, creative way to go about it, um, what I have my issues with is when you're, like I said, but like Buck was team where you're yelling your agenda across the room at someone. Or at least that's the feeling I get when I'm watching the film. Um, or in this case, once I saw that picture, once I saw what I was watching, I'm like, okay, you're you're pushing an agenda, right? You're you're pushing an agenda. You're not really tackling both sides of this. You're saying, well, this is exactly what went down. And this is a conspiracy and blah, 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 and incorporating all this stuff to a film that didn't need to be incorporated into a fucking movie. Well, there's, you know, incorporating a social commentary and then there's pushing a baseless conspiracy theory. And that's just harmful. And any of these fuckers 
have like, I, I don't want anything to do with these assholes. You know, I don't like promoting their ideas. I don't like even talking about them sometimes unless it's like a full blown rant, but we don't have time for a rant. No, not today. Our, I'm not, it's funny. Cause we're going to be on the opposite complete end of the spectrum in the Batman and everything. So, um, but yeah, this, this film was absolutely one of the worst pieces of shit. I know we've hated hearing that because it's only like March. It's one of the worst pieces of shit films I've sat through this year. I don't know what could possibly top this. I'm sure I'll be f- fucking surprised. But um, What's the response, like, critically? Do you know? So when I looked on Wikipedia, critically was getting okay reviews. Surprisingly, I was like, what the fuck did they, did they watch the same film? But it's getting torn apart by a lot of people online that aren't critics. Like, it is getting destroyed by general public. Okay, I'm looking up the Rotten Tomatoes score right now just because I'm curious. 54%, that's way higher than I expected. That was uh, higher than I expected when I sat through it. I, what, does that have an audience score? 56%. What the fuck? I don't know. We Granted, it is brand new, so that might drop over the next week. Okay, uh, but damn, I get, I yeah, I guess like we shouldn't probably put that in the beyond the bad pile. This is something I probably bet you don't ever want to revisit. Not for a very long time. If it goes in the pile, it will not get revisited for a very, very, very long time. This was painful. It to get through. It's an hour and 21 minutes, and I was hating my life, because the other thing is that, like, the characters are terrible, so not as the acting mad, the characters are fucking terrible, um, and like I said, it goes into, like, a conspiracy that, like, it just was so off-putting, and at first I was like, man, they'll just briefly mention it. I made a comment on review, right, that whenever films do their shit, it's always off-putting, like, as much as I, one of the examples I used in my review was Final Destination 3, as much as I love that entry and as incredibly fun as I find that entry to be, there's a shot when she's going over like all these major occurrences. I forget what the context was. She's going over major occurrences that have happened and she pulls out or when you can see times that we've seen signs of from death about something happening. There's always a sign and she pulls out a photo of the Twin Towers, the mm-hmm. shadow of the airplane. Keep in mind Final Station 3 it came out in like 2003, 5, somewhere around there. So it was after the shit went down. As much as I like that film, to this day, that stands out to me as a, why the fuck did you do that? Like, that didn't need to be in your fucking movie. Um, it's the same thing with this thing. It's like, why are you incorporating this into the movie? It does not need to be in the fucking movie. So. Um, if you want to learn more about Jeffrey Epstein and that whole situation, I recommend checking out the, uh, Time suck episode on the Ninth Circle cult because it's an, it's one of those baseless conspiracy theory Satanist bullshit cults, and then it's, it's half that and then half the Epstein thing, which was real. So that's a good kind of way to learn about this satanic pedophile cult bullshit and also the Epstein situation. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, once I get caught on the podcast this weekend, uh, if I have some time, I'll check it out. But. For this film, I, I gave it a one. I gave it a fucking one out of ten. This was atrocious to sit through. Ouch. That's that's ugh. uh I do find it funny that we call the the film gasm potential list is the list, and the beyond the bad bunch is called the pile. I do love that we just like subconsciously call it that. Yeah. 
Like there's it's not a list. This is a pile of dog shit movies that we will scoop up from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> but well, sorry, you've like your shutter experiment has been kind of shit so far. <laughs> Hoping their next week's film they have a better selection. But well, now the- knowing like the depths they'll sink for ratings, I'm I'm losing some respect for Shutter. I don't like that they put stock in this. I was I I really thought I was like okay man they're just mentioning this and nope that's when he kept going I was like oh my god it's a major plot point this is the plot point <laughs> I can't wait for them to promote a horror movie where like the earth is flat and there's like a demon inside of it oh, God <laughs> behind that ice wall is hell I'm not I'm not gonna lose my open show they're pretty good when it comes to audience so like if enough people bitch online about like why would you put this they'll probably be like okay we won't do it again sorry shit. <laughs> well um with that in mind the batman here we are uh the film of the year for me i mean i'm looking now it's dr strange but prior to that for the past like really 10 years it's been the batman because that's how long it's been since we got a good batman movie (laughs) uh this thing technically was in production or development for a long ass time. I mean, there was the whole time when Ben Affleck was attached to Ren directed before Matt Reeves even came on board. Yep. We were going to get a Deathstroke movie with Joe Manganiello, which sounded very promising with, you know, Affleck directing and writing and acting. And then everyone was like, fuck you as Batman. And he got discouraged, went back to gambling, drinking, blamed Jennifer Garner, fuck the babysitter. And here we are. And his kids. Uh, okay. Blame his kids. Oh, yeah. And blamed his kids like a class act. So now. <laughs> Now, you know, we're going to get Affleck's swan song in the flash. Crawling Hmm? back into the arms and between the legs of J-Lo. I mean, you know what? I got nothing to say there because who wouldn't? If anything, I'm kind of like pissed that he could pull that off. I'm like, are you fucking serious? He is attracted to very hot, powerful women named Jennifer. (laughs) I think I'm more mad at her in this case and like his comments are public and yet she's like, yeah, no, I'll take you. I'm like, what, what is he telling you? Like, oh no, that was out of context. Whatever. You know, I'm just happy he's no longer the face of this franchise. Uh, well, for now, I mean, we still got the flash, but I'm hoping Michael Keaton has more screen time. It's just going to be kind of a like, you know, where are you going, Barry? Oh, the past. Cool. I don't Get me a souvenir. And then we don't see Affleck again. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's really interesting that whole DC part of the universe where like they let go of Ben Affleck. They don't we really don't know what the fuck they did with Henry Cavill because there's been so many conflicting reports about him no longer being attached and then him being attached. It's I know like, I hear like, you know, I'm gonna be the witcher now, and then it's like I still have the cape, I'm waiting for a phone call, and then it's I'm done with Superman, and then it's like, <laughs> like stop fucking with us, commit to something. <laughs> Commit to a story, Warner Brothers. Just stop giving us false hope. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it's frustrating. I guess, you know, Momoa and Miller are in it for the long haul because, I mean, well, I was going to say what else are they doing, but actually quite a lot. So I don't know. Say Momoa's very bankable star. Miller, yeah. somehow, I don't understand it. Um, Miller, he brings in the like the emo tween audience. They all think he looks like an Adonis. 
can we just like bring back the emo bands from the early 2000s when we were kids that attracted the girls? They were harmless, they were off to the side, <laughs> doing their thing. Follow Boy wasn't hurting anyone. My Chemical Romance wasn't hurting anyone. <laughs> but no, now it's infiltrated Hollywood. Now we have the emo actors, I guess we're Miller. Yeah, I don't I don't get the appeal. Uh but then again, you know, we've never really gotten an opportunity to see his flash shine. So maybe this flash movie will be the moment where we, you know. I look, of- I'm I'm hoping he proves me wrong because I do like a lot of stuff attached to this movie that isn't him. <laughs> I know. Well, our new Batman is Robert Pattinson. And I think with this movie, he has forever shed the the dead weight of Twilight. He is Batman now. I would argue he's al- he's already shut it. It's people that won't let things go. I was well, now they're life. gonna let it go because this this right. was a performance of a lifetime. Yeah, because I was I was when I was I was seeing some stuff online and literally people were saying going like, "Oh, I was hesitant because of Twilight." And one guy made a good point. He goes, "That was ten fucking years ago." He's like, "If you're holding on to that at that point, that's not his fault. That is you. Like he's yeah. an actor for Christ's sakes. He's done stuff in the decades since Twilight." Yeah, but there is a regrettable large chunk of this population that is going to have trouble breaking free of that. They need to go see the Batman and then it'll go away because this yeah, was exactly. fucking crazy. Yeah, actually, this field of work that told me that when I came into work on Friday, like, oh, how do you like it? And one of the guys made the comment about that. He's like, I wasn't on board, but because of Bart Pants, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, there might be something here. I'm like, so I was like, check it out. And then, like, you'll probably walk away very happy. Um, I look. I was on board to begin with because I had seen Pattinson in a lot of stuff, especially the lighthouse was what like the one that really made me go like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Bring this, bring him on. This guy's a fucking stellar actor. And look, yeah. Like we kind of said, like guys, like calm the fuck down. When you hear this casting news, wait for footage before you throw judgment. I can't I, like how many times this was like, it happened when Mike, I mean, Jesus Christ, it happened all the way back when Mike King got cast as Batman. It happened when he thought got cast as Joker. Like, wait for fucking footage, people. Because, yeah, I fucking loved Pattinson in this role. I thought he was fucking outstanding. Yeah. he. Matt Reeves, I mentioned this in my review and in the Batman Begins Oscar Sunday. Matt Reeves, I think, understands Batman as a filmmaker better than anybody who has done a Batman film yet. He captures the, the balance of you know Batman being like almost as crazy as the people he fights and also just really utilize Gotham City in a way we've never really gotten before. Uh, Austin brought up on Batman Begins that this is a perfect blend of Nolan's realistic Gotham and Tim Burton's weird eclectic Gotham. You know, me and Josh made the same comment. Yeah. Like he really drew from all the stuff that people liked and from what he liked and gave us like a Batman, and I was on board when he was even out when he was announced as director because of his playing the Apes films he did. Um, and then when I was looking him up, I was like, Oh, shit, you also did the Let Me In, let the right one in remake, the Let Me In movie mm-hmm. and Clove film. Like, this guy's had a stellar track record, I didn't even realize that. Um, so he, yeah, I'm with you. I said in my review too, is like, this feels like for the first time since it with any of the directors we've had tackle a Batman film. Live action. I'm not again when I say this, I'm not talking about the anime films, I'm just keeping out live action. Um that understands the character so intimately. 
like we haven't seen before. Um, the way one of the things I really like that he did that I've never seen him do in like what the over 20 now, 30 plus years we've had Batman films. Um, when I was I was telling people about Josh, but I was like, I love the way he showed the fear in the criminals. The way, like, when that light went off in the sky and you saw the criminals being like, shit, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Um, when you see the one criminal running from the store, and he's looking down the alley. And he's like, no, fuck that. And he's, like, running out of the dude's spray, uh, spray can fucking rolling into that dark uh, bank. And he's like, nope. Like, you can just seeing the fear and then having it when, like, you know, that gang runs to the Batman and you hear Batman walking in the shadows before you even see him and then he just comes in slowly like the way he does that we have never had a director do that with batman ever they talk about his fear all the time and what he's doing we don't ever see it so actually seeing it made such a huge like difference and that was in the beginning of the fucking movie yeah this was batman through the eyes of the criminals he hunts and that was really cool uh that like all the that whole scene where this the criminals are looking in the shadows with the bat signal in the sky that coupled with michael giacchino's incredible score like gave me fucking chills like i was like this is we've never seen this kind of a batman like this is an unhinged on the verge batman who needs to come back from the darkness he's trapped in mm-hmm. and i, I love that journey of him going from a symbol of vengeance to a symbol of justice over the course of the film Yes, and what I like, and some people have made the comment, you know, obviously the one kind of quibble I've seen from a lot of people is that they don't necessarily like Pattinson's stake on Bruce Wayne in the film. And I'm like, I get it to an extent, but at the same time, I was fine with it because how I took it in this film, this is year two Batman, and he doesn't know how to shut it off. We've been spoiled in our adaptations that we've seen an experienced Batman constantly who knows how to turn off and become Bruce Wayne. He gets that. In this one, he doesn't know it yet. He's still, he's so consumed by what he's doing that even when he's Bruce Wayne, he's really not. He's still Batman. And it only, to me, enforces what we've always, the fan theory that people have always had and that Batman's the real face. Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah. That's way more of the fan theory. That's that's confirmed. Like that's that's who Batman is. And yeah, that's exactly the, the take I had on it is, you know, he doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne. He's forced to be Bruce Wayne. Alfred tells him, like, you need to go talk to these investors or you're going to lose your fortune. You need to go to this funeral. Like if it was up to him, he would never take the costume off. But he's got to find that balance or else neither can exist in this world. And we're, I love that we're starting out with a Batman who's unsure of himself, who's insecure in his mission, who's still figuring out how to do this. Uh, I can't wait to see him kind of find the balance over the course of this franchise we're definitely going to be getting. Yeah. And um, this one, I heard right on Facebook, this one idiot, I won't say he was an idiot, was like, I really didn't like how he was a so show just lack of confidence throughout the movie and blah 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 like you clearly weren't paying attention to the voiceovers or what the movie was trying to tell you um and he pointed out the whole you know the scene he's bruce wayne and he's at the funeral he keeps like looking down he's not really looking at anyone i'm like yeah because again like in context of the movie you fucking idiot like he's not comfortable he's at this funeral he's completely uncomfortable he doesn't want to look at anyone he you even see with the reporters when they're like oh my god it's bruce wayne 
You can see on his face, he doesn't want to deal with them. He doesn't he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't even look at them. No. Like, even when he, like, approaches uh, Falcone at the funeral, you can almost see, like, he's, he forgets for a second he's not wearing the costume. Yeah, he forgets he's Bruce Wayne right now. He's not Batman. Like, yeah. he, they don't give a shit about his wealth. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was... Jesus Christ, this was such a great script. This was an amazing direction, cinematography, score, production design. The cast was perfect. Like, this was fucking great. <laughs> yes, look, I, I, I'll, I'll say it probably multiple times. I just, I, it's been sat long enough now that I can say it truthfully. This is my favorite adaptation. My favorite, this is, I'm, this is my Batman. This is my, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, Pattinson's definitely going to, I want more. I want to see kind of the next evolution of his Batman before I start picking favorites. I still am very loyal to Michael Keaton's Batman, but mm-hmm. he's definitely on the right track to becoming a favorite. Uh, yeah. Well, let's kind of go through the cast members because I think they each really bring something cool yeah. to this character. Let's, uh, we talked about Pattinson at great length. Let's go to Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. Uh, well done. She was yeah. great. I would say she's absolutely second best since Michelle Pfeiffer done it and became so iconic in the role. Um, she is second best. She fucking, she's a little, such a nuanced performance and pairs so well with Pattinson. Like their chemistry together is great. I really liked that they kind of put the cat stuff a little to the side, made it more of, uh, she's, you know, made her more of a, a thief, which is good. I like that version of Catwoman better than the crazy cat lady who's licking herself. No, no disrespect to Michelle Pfeiffer. She did a great job. But that version of Catwoman has always kind of weirded me out. <laughs> but yeah, Zoe Kravitz was was really good. I love the uh, spoiler alert, but you know, that's on you. We're, we're well into the show. You should know what we do here. Um, the reveal that Falcone's her dad. Uh, I just watched a Batman animated movie like the day before that had that exact story. So I was like, I'm glad I watched that because it borrowed heavily from that. I was like, oh, this guy's doing his homework. Yeah. Well, I had read that Matt Reeves was inspired. I don't know if it relates at all, but he was inspired heavily by year one, Long Halloween, and a storyline called Ego. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were his biggest three inspirations and the Arkham games. He said he did get some stuff from there. Um, Outside of Batman, I know he said his um, uh, two films that heavily influences, influenced this were Seven and Zodiac. Which I totally saw when I watched the yeah. movie. Oh, you could and feel I, it. Oh, yeah. And it was actually funny when um, we were watching it. And I, I mentioned this because we were, I went, me and Josh went to go see it. And um, I remember Josh leans over to me. I went funny. He goes, I would really like a long Halloween adaptation from this guy. And uh, when I told him that, he goes, that's he's like yep i thought he's like i thought i was seeing that in year one i'm like so like yeah and that's what i love is that his influences you could tell and i don't mean that in a negative way it was like you could tell in a very good and i mean that in an absolutely good way um and yeah zoe kravitz did such almost like the film for tall role you know because this is very much a this is the normal batman he promised us which i liked quite a bit and the tinges of horror that we got out of it um and she sorry i I also i really like the kind of proto version of every character here like nobody's established yet this is still you know everyone's in their infancy you know catwoman is still just a 
you know, low, low time, like small time burglar penguins, just a, you know, mob enforcer Riddler's just a crazy dude in a, in a mask, you know, figuring out how to like his, you know, psychosis. Everyone's just kind of almost there. And I love that. That this is what I wanted Gotham to be. Yes. This, I said that this is the most realized I think Ward of Batman we've ever got commenced film, film since Tim Burton directed the first two. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll second that. Yep, because Joe Schumacher's as we've covered it since way too over top, so unbelievably like, can we get into it. Nolan's I mainly his ward building was dull to me because he just went so realistic with it being Chicago. That's like I the ward I can't it it I could have cared less about his ward building as far as like that that aspect of his his uh, movies yeah but I th- you know i definitely did feel influence from especially uh arkham knight just the, like the vibe of gotham city felt a lot like that and I, i'm so glad that he you know used that as an influence i mean i i said this in the batman begins episode but this feels like the first time we've ever had batman's future in the hands of actual fans in matt reeves and robert pattinson and that is exciting Yes, they you can tell they care about the characters. I said, like, you know, Matt Reeves clearly intimately knew, but he could tell Pattinson had a clear, also intimate understanding of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Because, like I said, I will defend his take on Bruce Wayne in this film from what people are saying if you just pay attention to what the movie's giving you. Yeah, he's an unstable, psychologically disturbed man. That's who Batman's always been, but it's how he channels that that makes him special. And he's still figuring out how to do that. Yeah, no problem here at all. I had no, I figured that out immediately. Like if you didn't, if you weren't catching on to that, that's a you problem. Yeah, that's you. And to sit there and this, the guy that actually made <coughs> the comment, uh, the idiot I referred to online, he actually said Passman was like one of the, the worst and sucked at Batman. And I was like, okay, you clearly watched a different movie. You're, you're so incredibly wrong. Is this that same guy? No, it's it's a random like I'm on this fucking so look on Facebook I got a lot of horror groups on there, right? Okay. Um, so a lot of times though, like these weekends they get heavy in posting this shit, and it's usually just filled with idiots being negative for no goddamn reason to complain to complain. And that's just the one I dumbly read and went, This guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> People bitch. I don't know why they bitch, but like, how can you watch this and just seethe? How could you be like, This is the one I wanted? This isn't Batman. Like, how do you are you watching the same movie? Did somebody sneak Batman and Robin into your like theater and you just didn't figure it out? <laughs> That's the only explanation. It has to be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, bringing it back to uh, to Catwoman. Yeah, no, she Zoe Kravitz. I had kind of you know I I mainly unlike Josh. I'm not as prone to avoid reviews and stuff. Like I do re- read reviews that they get put on like Blade Disgusting and IGN. As long as there's no spoilers, that's my thing. I just don't want shit spoiled. And so I was getting a lot of praise about her leading up to this. Like a lot of people were like, oh my God. And when I watched her, I was like, I get it. I understand. She is amazing as Catwoman. When it comes to big, big films like this, the most I'll do is look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. That's as far as I'll go before I see the movie. Because I never know if it's going to be, you know, I see shit on like IMDb just like, you won't believe who shows up in this scene. Like, holy shit, blanks in the movie. And I'm like, you fuck. Well, luckily with 
uh, Bloody Disgusting and IGN, they'll put it on like their review. So it'll say at the very top, this is a spoiler-free review. Good, because I hate the people who put the spoiler in the fucking headline. <laughs> yeah, no, and then like if they do do it, like they'll like I know Bloody Disgusting really doesn't do it, but IGN will be like, hey, they'll have the headline say like um, Matt Reeves details spoilers about uh, this character or something like those doing way we're like yes they'll make sure you know in the headline like don't fucking click on this because it's spoilers and if you do they'll even say it before they start reading it saying hey these are spoilers for the movie to follow good because we've got a big fat fucking spoiler for the end of the movie to talk about uh, later on yes which I will once we get to I will concede that uh, I'm now excited at seeing this particular character even though I kind of I know right but yeah. that that just to me, I'll say this: it's that just shows how good and in love with this film I was, how connected I was to it, and how well of a job Matt Reeves did for me to just go, yeah, no, bring this character on. You know what, Matt Reeves, bring all the characters you want on because I want to see your fucking take. Yeah, I want to see him do Clayface, Killer Croc, Deathstroke, like Scarecrow, Toy Man, Ab- Scarecrow, Ventriloquist. Yeah, I am so have a boner now for him to do Scarecrow because I would love to see that. <laughs> I want to see like a fully decked out, like costumed scarecrow, like not just teasing it. I want to see, you know, the fucking scythe, the fear. Like I want his like Freddy Krueger style, like glove, like he's got in the Arkham games. Like I want to see all that shit. Oh God. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think any villain he, fuck, I want fucking Egghead from the bat, from the sixties show. I'll take anybody. (laughs) I had read he's expressed interest in calendar, man, apparently. All right. You know what? I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, like that, Mr. Freeze. And this one got me excited because I think he's going to, he could do this so well. And it would go thematically in line with this film. He's expressed interest in Court of Owls. I know. Yeah. Pattinson wants to do that. Uh, that would be great. And it would work. Yeah. Because this film very much talks about the corruption of Gotham City, the, the higher ups that run, the, run this place. Next logical step to that is Batman taking out the Court of Owls. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh, that would be sweet. Um, I can't wait to see what I really hope that he brings Two Face into this. I want to see the, the the fall of Two Face or the fall of Harvey Dent. I want to see that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Give me actual screen time or Two Face this time. Not the over the top, not Two Face that Tony Lee Jones did. And the really good take, but we only got him for a little bit of the two and a half hour long movie. Two Face, like, give me fucking Two Face, goddammit. I'd argue behind Joker, Two Face is his arch nemesis. Behind Joker, oh, just yeah. because, oh, because of how you know how much Batman blames himself for how what happened to Dent. But with you know the events of this film, there's an opening for Commissioner and there's an opening for DA. So you know, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to see just some jackass in a suit flipping a coin in the background, just to, so you could know, like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Right, because maybe yeah, in a rewatch I'll see him, but I didn't see him this time. I don't think that. I think they only they only had one sequel baiting villain that we'll get to at the end. Yeah. Uh, next up, Paul Dano as the, the Riddler. What the fuck? <laughs> I have always really enjoyed Paul Dano. Okay, yeah. I liked him on and There Will Be Blood. He's so fucking slimy and creepy in Prisoners. Oh my god! Yeah. So yeah, so when I had, when I had heard he was playing the riddler, I was like, oh okay, inter- interesting choice. I was like, I really don't know how to feel about this. I like him, but okay. Um, seeing him, oh my 
God, was he a terrifying Riddler. Dude, his introduction when he's in the fucking shadows of the mayor's house and he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't notice him and then he just attacks him with a fucking like carpet thing. Oh my God. Straight up horror movie at that point. Like, I can't believe this got a PG 13. Like, they could, they were so close to a full blown R rated Batman. Like, you could tell that was probably the original vision and they had to, they had to dial it back. But still, even though they dialed it back, like props yeah and like i said like i ultimately i didn't even care as i was watching i was like i don't care god i'm in i'm into this um <laughs> like yeah and i remember i remember when, again kind of going back to the lead up to this film like they had talked about like yeah it's you know a film more film which are again i love that they that is if you're going to do a batman film that has to be the tone like that's just how the comics are so to see them finally apply the right tone as well to a Batman film I was like, oh my god, thank you. And uh, okay, but with that said, I could really go on about like all the things I love that they even leading up to this film. Um, when they talked about like, yeah, it's going to have tinges of horror here and there, you know, not full blown horror, but it's going to be there. When I saw this opening, I was like, yep, there, there's the fucking tinge. Like your Riddler, holy! Sh-. I'm like the way that I shot, it's shot like a fucking horror movie. It's just stay. You see the, the mayor doing his thing, and then he walks off camera, and then it, the lightning strikes enough for you to see the fucking Riddler just standing there. And you get the POV shot of the Riddler staring at him, and, like, next thing you know, you just hear him fucking yell out and fucking bash that dude's head. And I'm like, okay, this is not the Jim Carrey Riddler. This is a new Riddler. <laughs> oh, dude, the way, you know, Riddler's always been kind of a goofy villain. I mean, you know, he's a guy in a question mark suit who attacks people with puzzles like okay great now he's an unhinged serial killer who brought gotham city to its knees <laughs> that he that su- pulled off a su- that was successfully pulled off his master plan at the end and developed a little bit of a cult yeah that was crazy like the followers of riddler who were like are here you know he inspired people and he in turn was inspired by batman who has realized you know He's inspiring the wrong people. And that was such a cool idea that like Riddler was doing this for Batman. Like, you know, I didn't, you know, we're, we did it together. We brought down corruption and Batman's like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. I love that scene where he just starts like sobbing because he doesn't have Batman's approval. Yeah. Oh, dude, that whole interrogation scene was like just acting wise. Holy shit. Between Pattinson and Paul Daniel and Daniel just showing sh- like you could tell like for Daniel that was like the fun of showing off the crazy right there like that was probably like him just showing every ounce of crazy and putting it out there on the screen like oh my god the scene where he's got the DA tied up with the bomb and he's on the phone and he's like when Colson doesn't like play ball he starts screaming at him <sighs> like I. I got fucking scared. I'm like, Jesus, what is this guy capable of? Yeah. And like the way he changed his voice to sound deeper and, and like, yeah, it's just like this Riddler, like it, it stuck with me. Like this was a terrifying Riddler and even the redesign. I know some people were kind of bitching about it as they do. I loved it. Like from the way he had the thing on his head to like put on the little question marks here and there. So we know it, who it is like, yeah, I can see him design. getting more theatrical in the future if we see Riddler again, which it's implied we're probably going to. Uh, 
but yeah, this version of Riddler just being a completely unhinged maniac determined to end corruption in his own way was so smart. And what a great way to revamp a, you know, a well-known Batman villain, but also like put your own spin on it by just making him completely terrifying. I never thought I'd be freaked out by the Riddler. <laughs> no. Well, and I think what I've, or what I've kind of gravitated to with the Batman uh, comics and in general is that, and again, this tone did it. And it's probably why I like it so much is that it's very much a noir type of hero, but with heavy horror influences, you know, a lot of his, his really good villains um, are terrifying. And a lot of his villains are unhinged psychopaths compared to like what other superhero vi- villains are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to me, I mean, we always say like Joker represents Batman. If he has that bad day um, to me, I would argue that a good chunk of Batman's like well-known villains represent that. Um, they represent almost his yang, you know, his yang to his yang. Um, and so by redeveloping Riddler for that and putting into this world where he is this unhinged, he is this fucking crazy. Do you find a way to again have that side of Batman? without relying on the same old tried and true formula of just fucking shoving Joker in here because people know that. You know, you reworked a villain that has, last time we saw him cinematically, he was goofy as shit because it was fucking Jim Carrey in the 90s. What do you expect? And you reworked it to make him terrifying, to have him be this fucking force of nature that you don't want near and wonder, like, where the fuck is he when he's not doing his thing? Like, it was perfect. It was so perfect to me. And... Again, by applying that fucking tone that I love with Batman, that noir with horror, it was just like I was in. I was so locked in. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. <laughs> Maybe my favorite of the film just because of how incredibly transformative he was. Like, I don't even see Colin Farrell in there. The makeup and his performance is gold, and I cannot wait to see the penguin as like the next crime boss of Gotham City. Yes, I look, we you know they were right. We didn't get like a shit ton of time with the penguin in this movie, but what we got, Colin Farrell made it work and fucking completely disappeared. Like I know like Josh kept comparing him to the Nero because of the whole line they put in the trailer when he's like, take it easy, sweetheart. Like but, yeah. and I and I get it, but I would argue like other than that line, he really does make the. I should really say Oswald because he's technically he's only referred to by his name in this. Um, you know, he really makes it his own. And you can tell he's having a ball in that scene. And actually, I know he is because I watched the fucking Hot Wings interview finally that he was on. Yeah, so did I. About, yep. And Mary, he talks about that where he thought it was going to be very limiting being in that suit. And he said he found it the opposite. It was so liberating. And he, so you could, you could tell that for him, he was having the fucking time of his life just being able to be in this makeup and not worry about himself anymore because he's hitting on all this makeup and just give out that fucking over-the-top crazy performance that he he could deliver, and it works. And it to me, him signing on and finally confirming he's going to be in the Penguin show, which I didn't realize was like, it's going to happen. We just haven't confirmed if Colin Farrell will come back. And I'm like, why would he fucking announce this show? But... <laughs> Now that he signed on to do it, it just shows me that he not only is there obviously a plan for him, obviously, but he is clearly having a fun time and wants to keep playing this character while he can. 
Well, I love that we're getting a penguin like prequel series and we're also getting a fucking Arkham series. Yeah, well, I heard the the penguin series right now is going to explore. Yeah, oh yeah, prequel. So yeah, it's supposed to explore his rise to power. Yeah. So where we left off is where I guess we'll pick up on the show. Yeah. So we're gonna meet probably, you know, Maroney in the prequel series. I wonder who'll play him. And you know, eventually he'll get back on the board and you know, fuck up Harvey Dent, I'm sure. Uh yeah. I'm, I'm God, I'm I am very excited. And he had so many great and again, he had so many great moments in the whole time. He had like the whole chase scene between him and Batman. And we we see in the trailer, he's like, I got you, I got you. Like and that look he gives when the fucking car just comes out of the flames, and he's just looking like ah shit. Dude, the car chase was my favorite scene of the movie. That was so fucking cool. And we just- weaving through gotham traffic that fucking ramp he just zooms up can we just say like real quick i know we're going to talk about our favorite bits and kind of go through the film but just real quick the reveal of the batmobile was one of the coolest fucking things because i'm watching going huh they haven't shown the batmobile yet but fucking matt reeves again having that intimate understanding and knowing what the audiences want goes no i'm gonna wait and you're going to get a fucking reveal because we all know you want to see the batmobile and the way he did that, where you just hear the, and it's like, I love like as it's like he's turning it on and like just like revving the engine, the oh shit look on all their faces, like oh shit he has a car now. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking epic. Uh, yeah, I love the little teases of like the Batman that we know and kind of expect. You know, like when he glides off the off the tower and fucks his shit up. That looks so painful. <laughs> it's not, you know, he's not graceful. He's not world's greatest detective yet. You know, I, yeah. I like the, the constant reminds of that. But yeah, the, the car cheese with Penguin and then just like walking up to the car. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, like this is Batman. <laughs> this is, yeah. Even, um, oh, that was this great scene. But talking about like when he takes that fucking hit, even when he jumped off the building, I liked that there was a second hesitation. I like yeah. he runs and he... Because usually you see him just run and jump. There's he's like it's he's done every day. And this one you have that moment was like you hear him go, oh shit, <laughs> like he doesn't want to do it, but he has no other way off this building. Oh, that's a good segue into Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, uh, Sergeant Gordon, I believe. Yeah, I don't think he's commissioner yet. No, he's yeah, he's not even. Yeah, he's low level. In fact, he gets chewed out by the commissioner for even involving Batman in a case, which I thought was funny. You know, then <laughs> it's revealed. Yeah, which is then fully revealed there that that commissioner was mostly pissed because he's corrupt. Yeah, and he got a particularly grisly death that we just heard uh, described. <sighs> he's got a rat chewed through his body. Like, fucking hell, man. Um, but Nobody yeah. Ain't around. <laughs> no, he is not. He's here to make a statement. Um, but yeah, I liked Gordon and Batman's relationship. Gordon, you know, wants to trust him, but he's still very unsure. And there's moments of hesitation where he's like, is this guy crazy too? And Batman's very much like, you know, who can I fucking trust in this city? And mm-hmm. over the course of this film, they both realize like they've got a friend in each other and they're going to need yeah. that. And, and that, again, that was another thing I liked for once. Cause we've always obviously had a Gordon in these Batman films, but for me, other, I would say Nolan did a better job with it, but it, he always, he never felt important in the 
and the burden Schumacher films. Like he, it was yeah. almost like they just put him there because like, hey, everyone knows Gordon McGap. He's a complicator. Gap him in it. I would say Nolan did a better job of utilizing him, but he never, to me, tried to make the relationship worth it. Yeah. Um, they never really had a whole lot of scenes together. It was just like, it was pretty much like going, was just like, nope, Batman's good and I, I really like him. And then because, and then, you know, Batman liked him because he saved him as a kid. Like, but there wasn't a lot of interaction, not a lot of like really seeing the relationship on why they trust each other so much. Um, Cause I, and so I felt like with prior adaptations, it was like, they forgot that the reason these two have lasted so long in the comics and why people love their relationships, because you get plenty of time between just them and why they, why they trust each other so much. So finally getting that in this movie where they get a lot of scenes together and you're seeing the relationship form and why these two ultimately trust each other was so fucking refreshing and nice. It was great. And I love the, you know, getting to see the reminder that Gordon is constantly having to defend Batman from the law to be, you know, like they're all kind of you know afraid of him, distrustful of him. Most of them are corrupt as fuck anyway. And Gordon has to be the guy who's like, he's with us. He's with me. You know, he says that several times in the movie. He's with me. And I, I love that. Yeah, I like the very opening part when he's like going through and I love how they shoot it from Batman's perspective when they're walking in the hallway and all the cops just stop and stare as Batman walks through and then that one cop stops him and Gordon's like, no, he's with me. Let him through. Yeah, he just puts his hand on Batman's chest and Batman's looking down like, you're going to lose that in five seconds. Dude, I love that. And that's why... <laughs> I that's why when people are like he's the worst. I'm like, no, fuck you. What he what Robert Pence was again, good acting is not what you're hearing, it's what you're seeing displayed on their face. That is good acting. That's why I will always spend the people that play things like you know, Leatherface and Michael Myers and all those guys. Cause they have to emote without fucking saying a goddamn word. What Passon pulls off by just staring at people and you seeing that rage boiled up in him. And yeah, because I got when you that hand, you can see it where he's just like he's he's fighting every urge to not fucking destroy this police officer because it pisses him off immediately. And I, I love that. Well, I love that Batman doesn't really have any loyalties yet. Like it's just really Alfred and Gordon, and Gordon is a is an unsteady ally at best. I mean, he attacks a lot of random people in this movie simply out of like un you know untethered rage and. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's, it's cool. Uh, we'll get more to that when we talk about our highlights because there's a scene with the cops that I really want to talk about, but not quite. Oh yet. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Jeffrey yeah. Jeffrey Wright is fucking. I he is the I I put him up there with um Gary Oldman for Gordon. He is so good. Um, I mainly now this is one where I say like it, I might give the edge to Gary Oldman because I do really like him as Gordon, but it it's hard because I actually would I would make the argument that Jeff Wright is right up there with him. Yeah, Wright did an amazing job. I, I I really liked his chemistry with Pattinson. I believed him, you know, as a a cop who's uh, ahead above the rest of these you know corrupt yahoos, but he's also hiding it because he doesn't want to get you know shot like in the back at some point. So, yeah, well done. I mean, Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy, you always just, you know, bought the fact that he was righteous, that nobody would really go after him. And this one, you get the vibe that, like, if he's not careful, if he, you know, confides in the wrong person, he's never going to be seen again. Yeah, which is why he turns to Batman so much, because he knows yeah. he can confide in Batman. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and burying that relationship, the, the, what we need to see to believe that relationship, fucking yes. <laughs> um, Andy Serkis as Alfred. My one real problem with the movie, I wanted a lot more of the Batman-Alfred relationship. But I get that, you know, Batman's fractured. He doesn't quite trust Alfred, especially now that he knows that he lied to him about his parents. There's going to be, they got to rebuild that relationship. So I get why there's not a lot of warmth there yet. Yeah. Um, that was probably the one very minor thing I had was I wanted more Andy Serkis as Alfred. Because um, what, what we got, I liked. And I was yeah. like, okay, yeah, no, I like what I have. You can tell, like, this is going to be a good Alfred. Um, like, I, I, you know, I'm laughing when he's, like, reminding him, like, you need to go see those investors. Like, could you please put some better clothes on? Like, or when he gives him his cufflinks, like, you can, you can see the fatherly love he has towards them. Um, even that scene when he tells uh, Bruce Wayne the truth and he's, like, getting very emotional. So you can see the fatherly love there. But again, I just wanted more. But again, in context of how long this film is and what the story they're trying to tell, I understand why we did not get a whole lot of Alfred. It's probably stuff that I'm sure he has plans for like a sequel to incorporate him more into it. I'm just very happy that Matt Reeves didn't kill him because I was pretty damn certain that was happening. <laughs> I know. I guess yeah, I was like, oh, sure. Are you really going to see Alfred die in this one? I love the little bit of dialogue where he mentions that he taught Bruce how to fight. This isn't a Batman who's been trained by Ra's al Ghul. He's not an assassin. He was trained by a Golden Gloves Royal Marine, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking Alfred. But that kind of explains like why this Batman is not a graceful fighter. He's a fucking, you know, brute. Oh, dude, don't even got the fight scenes on this. Like, we'll get into when we talk about scenes, but that opening fight scene, I kind of want to, I definitely want to talk more about. For sure. Uh, next, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Uh, the one guy who was suspiciously absent from all the promotional material. Didn't see a, anything of Turturro's uh, Falcone. I expected it to be kind of a cameo, but he's a prominent character in this film. Uh, and yeah, it's nice to see Turturro do something you know worthwhile again. I feel like it's been a while. Oh, you got sucked in the Transformers films, apparently. Um, <laughs> he's really good in this. I really liked him as... um. Falcone. Um, he he brought the right lows of menace, and um, what I've always what I've always just enjoyed about like their their take on Falcone in the Batman comics is that it's I like the idea of this aged mobster who can be friendly to you and will help you out, but you do not cross him because he still has it in him. He may not he may be older and not in the game, you know, not necessarily in the game like he was, but he will fuck you up. I was watching the uh, Batman The Long Halloween uh, two-parter movie. Have you seen that one? Not yet. I, ne I need to. I think it's on Max right now, actually. Yeah, they're all on Max, which I love. Um, but there's a scene with Falcone. Uh, somebody's hunting down members of his family, and he's he needs to make a statement, you know, go after somebody who he thinks did it. And one of his guys is like, you know, you look weak if you don't act. And everyone gets everyone around the table starts like distancing themselves. They're like, oh, you don't talk to Carmine like that. <laughs> and Carmine just nods to one of his guys. And two of Falcone's other guys grab this dude and throw him off the top of the stairs, like of this penthouse. He falls down like the whole of a of like, you know, like 12 flights of stairs. 
and just they chuck him down the hole. <laughs> like not a word. God. <laughs> That's Carmine Falcone, this evil bastard who is, you know, running this town, has been for decades. And, you know, that's kind of it. Like there's, he's the last word in Gotham city until the bat shows up. Yeah. And even like, and that is one thing I, I remember I enjoyed about Gotham was like the interplay that they had put with Falcone and um, Gordon in Gotham in the show, or even like Gordon had to go to him for help sometimes, but it was like Falcone, you know, he knew like, I can't cross this guy or else I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Turturro, you know, I love he never takes the fucking sunglasses off. He's just yeah. this cool dude who, you know, manipulated his way into running this city. Um, I do like how Sal Maroni, Maroney's name is just kind of peppered throughout the, the movie. And we never see him, but we're going to. Oh, yeah. Well, what I love is that, like, in the con, I want to say in the comics, Maroney's already was like second fiddle to Falcone. Like, not yeah, that Maroney it, was like not terrifying, but like, he was second fiddle like you could tell that Falcone was the bigger guy to be scared of depending on the the comic run depending on the graphic novel he's been Falcone's right-hand man he's been his successor he's been his rival he's been like his arch enemy head of another family so it's really depending on who's writing it uh but it looks like yeah Reeves is taking the the arch rival approach oh yeah the seeds were planted for arch rival um very cool yeah oh yeah, um, I think we hit all the major players. Did I leave anybody out? No, not that I'm thinking of. Okay, well, then let's go into highlights. Let's talk about this movie, these scenes that, goddamn, <laughs> some of the greatest yeah. moments in Batman movie history. Oh, yeah, so um, I want to say let's do from the top. I can't, since I alluded to it, but the, that opening fight scene, you talked about the, the, core, the fight choreography and stuff. Um, again, you know, this is going off what I just talked about that I love so much with like us seeing the shit your pants fear that these criminals have when that signal goes up and when the shadows are at their darkest, you know, to not sound too high, you know, make much too much of a hyperbole here. Um, like with the, you know, with Batman's narration of like, you know, to them, it's a warning. Like, I love that. Like Batman's kind of inner monologue, his diary. That was great. Oh, yeah. seeing. Yeah. Like Batman's like inner psyche. We never seen that before. No, well, and again, because Matt Reeves was, you know, this is where like his film noir um influences were just so proudly worn on it on the film sleeves. Like as soon as I heard the fucking cause even I first went home narration, I went, oh shit. Because usually narration is not ever like that great in films. But here it works. Cause again, like you said, it's get it's it wasn't just boring bland, let's describe the film. It's you're getting into the psyche of Batman with this narration. And yeah, hearing him say it as they're showing the fear was awesome. And what I love is they would do they would do things like he even says it when he says, like, am I even in, am I even putting any hope? Am I making a change? He's thinking that as it's the change is clearly happening. I love that. And love it's a change it. in the wrong direction. That's the thing. Like his mm-hmm. his like his first big influence is the fucking Riddler. This maniac who wants to do things right, and Jesus Christ, is he misguided? Uh, oh boy, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that that opening fight is fucking stellar, and I love the, the guys have this white makeup, possibly an homage to a certain clown. Maybe I don't want to speculate, but maybe, maybe because you know 
Mm. When we may or may not see him in the movie, it's so shit. He may or may not have a developed following. Um, but yeah, no, I like I like their makeup, and I like when they're trying to attack this guy, and they pause, and you hear again. I know I already said it, but going back to it, you hear the boots, and they just it's just a shot of the fucking dark ass hallway, and you just hear. And then you kind of see the shit. You kind of see a little outline. And next thing you know, it's fucking Batman. And I love when they're just like, you have the one, you can tell he's like, I guess the new guy in the group. It's clearly like, he's clearly shitting himself. He is so fucking scared. Everyone else is just like, oh no, we got this. And I love that one guy. He goes, who are you? And he's like, you know what? Screw it. And tries to fight him and pass him this fucking beats the shit out of him <laughs> it's relentless it's just a series of brute punches he gets him down and then he puts two more just in his fucking face oh my god and he says the line and oh man when he says that line and goes i'm vengeance i'm like i sat there and went yes you fucking are yes you goddamn you are right you are fucking vengeance Bring it on to these people. That was that was Pattinson's I'm Batman introduction. And, you know, how it compares to... Every, all right. That, the introduction we've seen every Batman have, is, is this the best one? Yes. <laughs> I absolutely will stand by it. It is my... Yes. From the way he comes out of that fucking shadow, beating the shadow dude, and then saying it, I'm vengeance. Like, yeah, you are fuck these guys up dude yeah and then he, he gives it to these guys i mean they you know that one guy he tases in the fucking throat he takes a couple like bullets to the chest and just shrugs it off like dude that's i won't get into it as we kind of go throughout the film but like all those scenes where you see people shooting him and he does nothing because it's so fucking bulletproof i'm like oh my god later on when he's walking through the tunnel and that guys have fucking two machine guns on him and he's just strolling up to them like he's yeah. fucking Superman. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, oh my God. That whole scene, the way that was shot, where it's like pitch black and all you see is the fucking flashes of the guns. And then he's getting closer and <laughs> beating the shit out of these guys. I'm like, oh my God. There were so many. I was leaning forward the entire time. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, boy. So I also really like that they kept the uh, something in the way by Nirvana. I'm glad they used that in the movie because it was such a big part of the trailer. You want to hear something funny? Because they've been remixing like songs and they're getting slower versions. Like I think they even actually did it with Smells Like Teen Spirit on Black Widow, I believe. Mm -hmm. A Nirvana song. Yeah, they did that. I for really thought, oh, God damn it. Another slowed down fucking song. Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> but then I was watching, and literally the whole movie, I'm like, you know what? This one may be slowed down, but this is really good. And then I told Josh, Josh, like, no. He's like, have you not heard that song? I was like, no. He's like, that's how the song goes. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's a great Nirvana song, and definitely glad to see it used throughout the movie. It just added to this bleak fucking Gotham where it's like nothing is, you know, nothing positive is alive anymore. Like, everything is... You know, all the joy is sucked out of this city. There's no hope left except Batman. <coughs> and mm-hmm. mm, good stuff. And even then, because it's year two, Batman, we can see that the city doesn't trust him still. 
They're no, not people shepherds. are terrified of him. <laughs> yeah, because again, kind of going back to the opening scene, you know, he he saves the guys. He lets the one guy, the one that the scared criminal that did not fight him go. And then that one guy looks at him and goes like, "Please don't hurt me." And he had literally just sat there and beat all the, the shit out of those guys to save him. Yet he's now scared. You see, I got the vibe that he's not in this to save people yet. Like he's here to beat the shit out of criminals and like terrify them. Anyone like it's at the end of the film when he like, you know, reaches his hand. No, yeah. The no, no, where he's I, like, yeah. now I'm going to help people. No, no. I, yeah, no, you're right. He doesn't really try to save people. So then I'm just saying like, to your point, when people are afraid of it, even as an innocent man, after you just watch all these criminals get the beat, the shit beat out of them, he's sitting there going, please don't hurt me. I'm like, wow yeah this is definitely beginning batman like they even the people don't trust him but i get that though i mean if i'm about to be attacked by a street gang and then some psycho in a costume shows up and brutally beats the shit out of all those guys <laughs> i want to be like oh this is the murderer who's going to end my life tonight not the, not the gang they were just going to rob me this guy's going to kill me <laughs> which i i don't know how you feel about it. i really liked his bat suit quite a bit yeah, it was like it felt like homemade, but like still, you know, reinforced in the right way. I thought the cowl fit really well. I like the detachable signal, like symbol that like worked as a knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a great suit. Uh, I do. I'm looking forward to a bit of an update. You know, the more Batman gets into the swing of things, I'm sure he'll be, you know, turning into the brilliant Dark Knight who has this super reinforced epic suit. Right. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Yeah, they can move his neck around. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice plus. Was I, I? I meant to pay attention to that. Could he? Could he do that? Could he move his neck? It looked like he was moving his neck. Yeah, good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, so we talked about Riddler's first murder, where he kept, he kills the mayor, uh, duct tapes his face with you know the no more lies thing, and leaves a riddle for Batman and the cops. But- Quick side note, I know we're about to get to another scene. Um, yeah. I had read some of the, the prep that Paul Daniel did for the character, and apparently he did his own form of, like, wrapping his head in some shit to get into the mindset of the Riddler. <laughs> and he showed up to set like that, and Matt Reeves was like, you don't have to do that. He's like, and apparently, and Paul Daniel was insisting, he's like, no, this is going to help me. He's like, just trust me. He's like, all right. And he did it, and Matt Reeves was like, okay, so that's really good. But then they saw him take it off to, like, go have lunch, and he was, like, red and sweating because it had almost zero ventilation. And he goes, look, if you're adamant about doing it and you're doing a good job, go talk to our costume people real quick. And he did, and they were like, look, we're going to make something so you can breathe. <laughs> and that's what they did. So they, they kept what he was doing, but then they made it to where he could breathe in it and still go off the performance he wanted to do without fucking damn near dying. So he was he was very committed. That's what I'm getting at to this. Damn. I'm just picturing like him, you know, being Riddler, maybe that crazy phone scene where he's just like, no, like screaming at the guy. Then they break and he's like, all right, that's lunch and takes off the the green thing, rips off the fucking bubble tape or whatever and goes and gets like a, some soup. Like, I love these guys who could just turn it off. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. They need, like, maybe, what, a little bit of prep to get into the mindset before the take, and then they're good to go. <laughs> I kind of like that Pattinson, like, his Batman keeps his suit in, like, a duffel bag. 
Yeah. He's so he doesn't have the like, you know, like assemble assembly thing in his like in his, you know, like on Wayne Tower. It's just it's almost like, it reminded me of the Dark Knight when he tells the guy, like, you know, I'm not wearing hockey pads. It's like, well, this Batman kind of is wearing hockey pads. <laughs> yeah. It's neat. Yeah. Again, there's little touches to enforce that this is a beginning Batman. Yeah. Um, so the commissioner's like, he's like, happy fucking Halloween. Like he throws out the film's F-bomb. It's like, nice. yeah. finally, Batman got an F-bomb. It's about damn time. I know. I was happy about it. I was like, God, three-hour movie, and you go ahead and just use your one F-bomb? Yeah, I wish it had some more punch, but yeah. <laughs> Would have been nice to, hear, nice to hear Batman tell like Falcone, like, fuck you. The reason I can only imagine, I only want that in Bill's fucking Batman voice. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Joker. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> um, I like, uh, I know, again, Matt Reeves talked heavily about like he really wanted to show the side of detective that we don't really get to see in Batman ever. Mm-hmm. And again, this scene that you're talking about when he comes in, you know, Commissioner comes and says, Happy fucking Halloween, blah, blah. Um, in this scene, I'm like, again, hey, we're getting it. Fuck yeah, we're seeing Batman be a fucking detective. You know, he's looking around. He's not really giving two shits about what the cops are saying or anything. He just he's looking around, seeing what's going on, making his own assessment. I love that one cop. I don't remember if it was in that scene or later on in Riddler's apartment. That one cop is like, uh, are we worried about chain of evidence? Like, what? <laughs> what is this? I love Gordon. He's wearing gloves. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. Um, the riddles were cool. I love the to the Batman notes that were hidden throughout the movie. The 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 the, uh, the handwriting looked so fucking nuts. Yeah, the the handwriting was a sign of a truly demented individual. Yeah. Um, and this whole idea that like this was all hinging on uh, the Thomas Wayne renewal program that was then taken over by the mob and used as this endless source of funds to take over the city. Like, cool idea. And also, you know, Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne not being saints. They, you yeah. know, they were corrupt, too. And, you know, maybe for, you know, better reasons, but they still made a deal with the devil and Falcone. And Bruce having to kind of reconcile the fact that, you know, his family's legacy is tainted. We've never seen that before. No, we haven't. And I really, I liked how they explored that. And I and at first I was worried when they were kind of hinting that there was a government connection between Riddler and Batman. I was like, oh, fuck. I was a little worried. He's like, oh shit, is he his brother? Yeah, I was I was getting where I was legit, even though I was really into me, I'm thinking, don't fucking make this stupid. Don't fucking ruin what you've built up. Oh my god. But then you know it, it paid off and I was like, oh thank God. But I was worried at first. Um yeah, I like that. Did. And look, I'll say it. I am so fucking happy. I didn't have to see his parents die again. I am sick of seeing that. It was one of my few negatives to Joker where I sat there going, are you fucking shitting me? I did not need to see the fucking death of his parents. Like, fuck you for putting that in your Joker film. That wasn't even about fucking Batman. <laughs> like, it's about Joker. It's inevitably going to become about Batman. It, it didn't need to be, but... Yep. It, uh, so, yeah. I was, yeah, very happy to finally not fucking like thank you it's kind of like when spider-man um homecoming came out they're like do you really need to see uncle ben die? no you don't 
Like, no, we don't. We've seen it. We know it. Like, just yeah. fucking move past it. I like that they trusted us to just understand. You know, if you're if you're seeing the Batman, odds are you are familiar with the character. You know how it all went down. So just enjoy this. Yes, we and they did it smart. They referenced his his parents are obviously dead, and they made it a part of the plot line. Which once you saw the payoff, I was like, see, that's how you do it. I didn't need to see it. You just made it a part of the plot line in a very organic way. I did not have to see the fucking murder for the fiftieth goddamn time. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Spider-Man, for uh, No Way Home from how you handled that line and everything and making it fresh and new. Thank you, the Batman, for not subjecting me to another goddamn dose of parent murder that I, I've always seen a hundred times. Yeah, well done. Um, the solving of the puzzles is cool. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go through all the riddles because, frankly, I don't remember them. <laughs> no. Um, uh, honestly, we're getting close. Uh, we're getting close to the part where he gets sent to jail. Not sent to jail, but he gets sent to prison because he has that whole scene at the funeral. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go to the funeral. Um, so the mayor's dead and everyone's sad. And I love that the uh, the, the opponent, uh, Bella Real, I think her name was, mm-hmm. is still acting like there's an election. Like, girl, you won. Like, the mayor's dead. You're You're the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> I love how she immediately accosts fucking Bruce Wayne there. She's like, hey, Bruce Wayne, so uh, your parents were due philanthropy and you're not really doing much. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's harsh. Yeah, well, she's like, I couldn't get a hold of you. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, almost implying, like, you're not getting the hint, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that she's like, you're not, you know, you're not doing anything and I plan to change that. Like, what does that mean? Like, what are you, you can't force him to be charitable. No, first off, he's one of the richest human beings in the fucking city. He can do what he wants. Yeah, he could buy this whole damn city right now if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to because he's a, he's a good guy. But yeah, I wonder who's richer, Bruce Wayne or Lex Luthor? I bet Bruce Wayne. Probably Bruce Wayne. I would I would say Bruce Wayne with the shit. Like if you go by the comics, the shit he fucking spends on all his contingency plans. Dude, the shit he spends on alibis. <laughs> Like when he's just like, you know, Batman, like in, in the Dark Knight, Batman needs to go to Hong Kong. So I'm going to take the entire ballet on a yacht trip publicly. Like, okay, probably could have done a little smaller, but he can, you know. Probably, yeah, you probably could have just simply not told anyone you're going to Hong Kong. Bruce Wayne, I don't think the ward cared that much. <laughs> well, in this movie, I can- in that funeral scene, I kind of wish he just whipped out his checkbook and like wrote her a million dollars and said, leave me alone. <laughs> Don't ever come near me again. There's not more where this came from. Spend it wisely. I really don't want to be here right now. And you're making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at her with that email haircut. Just <sighs> he pulls a Rutger Hauer. Didn't you get the memo? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so with you know at this funeral of this super corrupt mayor that was beloved by the city for some reason um gil colson the da flies through the 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 church in a car gets out has a bomb taped to his neck cell phone duct taped to his hand that rings for quite a while that made me laugh i'm like you're pissing off riddler every time you don't answer this phone oh yeah he's sitting there going 
I'm really need. I really need to piss, guys. Answer the fucking phone. Like, what if he had a plan that was supposed to happen in like ten minutes? Like, it, it, he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> no one's answering. I do like how Bruce Wayne saved uh, the kid. I do too, but like that car went nowhere near that kid. They got close. Don't, 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 don't you, don't you? I feel like that. the kid would have been fine, but it's, it was kind of an empty sacrifice. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I do like in this scene when they quickly cut tonight to show you how long they've been standing by. And um, when Batman shows up again, they do it again where you hear the boots and then he walks out. And I love the cops reaction. Like, what the fuck? How'd he get through us? They're like, are you kidding me? He's going to fuck this all up. Like he's, he comes into the back door and they see him on the bomb camera. They're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I love how immediately you know the cops are just like, God, Ha, who let him in? Riddler's phone there, like the phone call with uh, with Colson is, is a great scene where he gives him riddles to answer and Batman's helping him. And usually Riddler would be like, no. But I guess in this part of time, he's like, all right, fair enough. Because they're for Batman too. Yeah. Riddler's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, before we go further, I did like the thing of like funny shit. I like the recurring joke with the twins at Oswald's Club. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack to that because I actually just remember we did not talk about Oswald's introduction. So That's right, we didn't. We'll, we'll backtrack to that. We'll talk about this first. Okay. Um, yeah, but do you know who I am? <laughs> Look, great. Um, but yeah, uh, Col- Colson refuses to name the rat and blows up right in front of Batman, which was crazy to see that failure and to see Batman just blast across the church and wake up in the in prison like in the jail cell at the gcp and they never took his mask off which you could argue is probably the only point where like you guys really didn't just try to take it off when they were but then i was like maybe it's part of the suit it's like they can't take it off well no because he takes it off like at times like i think he can't i think gordon was probably monitoring that making sure nobody did that okay yeah because as soon as somebody tries to he wakes up and like (laughs) attacks the guy he fucking he was losing it in that thing. I was like, oh my god. He kept like ah like striking out at cops. <laughs> They're like, got you got an officer now. <laughs> Dude, that fucking prick. And I love how he doesn't give a shit with that cop so he's like, I'm I don't give a shit because I'm gonna fuck you up if you keep it up. And I love how he quickly insinuates like how corrupt they are. I fucking love he throws that in their face. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. And then I love how Gordon like acts, you know, like, oh, give me five minutes with this piece of shit and I'll break him. And then as soon as they close the door, he's like, we got to get you out of here. Like with his like yeah. mean face on. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He just was like, all right, so we got to get you out of here. <laughs> like, it's like, well, how he's like, okay, so you want to act like you're going to punch me. Grab my keys are right there. <laughs> go through that door. Take, <laughs> go up the stairs. <laughs> That was funny. He just socks Gordon and just bolts through the police station. Look, look, I know Gordon was probably all in on the on the on the plan here, but he he socks him good. Like that was a punch. Had to look real, otherwise they would have thought, you know, exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> which I love how he does it too. They start talking about some other shit, and then just out of nowhere, he just socks him. <laughs> he went fucking down. That was great. That was a. I'm telling you, that was a punch. I was like, Jesus, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I love the part when he is like running through the police station and it's just like the sea of cops are just coming out. 
Yeah. And he just glides off the roof and hits a bridge and lands on a car and just fucks himself up. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Reminded me of when Peter Parker tries to web swing for the first time and runs into that building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. Like, I remember when he deployed his, like, parachute thing to, like, get him to slow down. I remember watching on that was a terrible time to do it because I saw the bridge. I'm like, don't do it now. Don't do it now. And he did it. Oh, it's nice to see Batman kind of fuck up like that once in a while, just to remind us he's human. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, back, so back to Oswald's reveal. <coughs> uh, that was great. Just, you know who I am. They're like, <laughs> like, not really. Not really. He shuts the door and gets his twin out. <laughs> that was great. And then just, you know, punching his way through the iceberg lounge. I love that it's the iceberg lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. Penguin in his tux is, you know, take it easy, sweetheart. You look up for me and tries to, you know, act like he's helping Batman. And I love how he's just kind of like, yeah, what do you need? <laughs> I yeah. got everything. He's such a good <laughs> But I love how the facade quickly breaks when Batman threatens him. Like he, he's all nice and lovely. Like, no, I'll help you. Cause he's thinking like, oh yeah, I'll help him get him off my fucking set. Like, and then the moment you know, Batman asks too much and then throws him against that fucking window. You can see in Penguin's face, like, the facade drops. He's like, oh, okay, well, fucking give me five minutes alone with you. And I'm like, you don't stand a chance, Penguin. Yeah. Well, he yells back, like, let me know if I can help you again, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, as he goes to find Selina and uh, kind of follows her and her whole thing with, like, helping her friend escape and Penguin killing her friend. It was Penguin who killed her friend, right? Yeah, Falcone. It was Falcone and uh, McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, the cop. Uh, Yeah, so many corrupt assholes. Yeah, which speaking of which, like I did like, and it it reminded me a little bit of like in Batman Begins when um, Christian Bell's Bruce Wayne visits Falcone. He has that scene where he's like, "That's the fucking DA," and that's and he's like naming every person and how he could be like, "I could carry you right now. No one's gonna give a shit. They're in my club. My money." Um. I like in that scene, kind of going back to this one, the Iceberg Lounge, and she's helping Batman out, and he has to put the contact on. And it's just like, you're literally seeing, like, that's that cop, that's McCrub, that's that cop, that's the DA. Like, it's, again, you're seeing, like, literally all these corrupt motherfuckers that work for the law are hanging out in a known crime boss's lounge. I want to I wanna watch that scene again on, uh, you know, with pause, so I can look at the names just to see if there's any Easter eggs, because I bet there's a bunch in that scene. Oh, there has to be. Yeah. I love the little bit uh, mentioning Hush. That made me really excited. When they yeah. bring up Elliot and, you know, Hush written across the article. Like, oh, fuck. I know. I was like, oh, okay. I would love, I, look, I stand by it. Any character give it to Matt Reeves. I want to see his take on it so badly. I mean, uh, very cool. Um, Selena gives him the lead of, like, you know, there's the club and then there's the real club where all the, big shots go and Peter Sarsgaard was a good choice for the slimy DA. He was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is where we're introduced to Falcone for the first time. Yeah. And Selena has a bit of, you know, a panic attack and takes out the, the contact and Bruce is now, you know, dead in the water. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool stuff. Uh, where do we, where do you want to go from there? Um, well, that gets us kind of the fill in the blanks there for the funeral and stuff that we kind of jumped to. Mm. Um, so yeah, we have the whole cop scene, and 
think was that and then shortly after that Riddler kind of disappears for a chunk of film after this actually yeah until the yeah he well then we get you know Bruce kind of figuring out the connection to his parents and Falcone and fucking with Penguin a little bit we get that car chase which is beautiful and yeah. then and yeah. the funny part of Penguin and the King guys don't speak Spanish no hablo espanol <laughs> Oh, when they tie him up and he's like, you're going to untie me? Hey, hey, you assholes. <laughs> and he's waddling around like a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. And then nice to see Batman and Gordon kind of play good cop, bad cop. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. I like, I like how even Penguin makes that comment. Oh, what's this? Good cop, better cop? <laughs> <laughs> good cop, batshit cop. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. Great stuff. I think I like how he even makes a attack of his like detective skills. When he says the Spanish, he's like, oh, most greatest detective, huh? Can not even figure that out? <laughs> I'm like, give me more. Like, have him be like the fucking villain. And I can't wait to see him actually as Penguin. Me too, man. Uh, I liked when at the funeral he was holding an umbrella for Falcone. I was like, ah. There's a little little penguin right there. There it is. <laughs> ah, um, I hope we get to ha- see him with like you know the ex- the arsenal of trick umbrellas. Like I want to see a full blown crazy ass penguin. Oh, same. Um, so around this time, I guess uh, Batman's starting to make the connection with the Waynes. Goes to the orphanage and sees that uh, Thomas Wayne was you know apparently corrupt and part of Riddler's plot and he sends a letter bomb to <coughs> Bruce Wayne and Alfred opens it and yeah. somehow survives that super big explosion right in his face. People would survive explosions in movies very easily. It's almost mind-numbing. I know. Um, it's, it's taken the threat of explosions away. It really has. <laughs> I do like how, you know, again, I know we don't get a lot, but I like how in this scene you do get a feeling of their relationship because you see the moment it clicks at the orphanage when he, uh, Batman's like, oh shit, that means, you know, Alfred's checking my mail and there's a package for me in there. And which did lead to that final line when Gordon looks around and goes, oh, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. And I like that little touch, like, oh shit, okay, yep, he's pulling that on me now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like that scene when he's in the car and frantically calling and you can see in that instance that, like, you know, he puts on this thing where he acts like he does not view uh, Alfred as his father, but there is a connection, there is a love there, and he doesn't want anything to happen to Alfred. And you can see it in that moment where he's like, no, 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 do not take this person from me. Yeah. And I like their moment in the hospital when Alfred admits everything and Bruce is like, you know, like, I needed you, you were there for me, and they have that moment. It's a good scene. Yeah. Oh. Good stuff. Um, so it's it, it's not really confirmed, but it's very alluded to that Falcone is the one who killed Bruce's parents. Yes. Uh, since they didn't go full commitment on that, it does open up the possibility for a sequel, maybe, you know, saying they were ordered to, you know, ordered by the Court of Owls or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely being open for features, especially if they're talking about like that's something they like to explore in quarter hours, like something down the line. So it's definitely there. I do like how it wasn't fully confirmed, but it, and again, I mean, 
it also, if you want to go again with realism, right, it works in the sense that it's a mob boss. They're never going to confirm if they fucking did something or not. So, yeah, yeah. Falcone makes... says it to Batman like, anything you think I did, I take it to my grave. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> He's not kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense. You know, they're not going to confirm what they did. It's how they stay. Oh, it's one one of the many ways they stay out of legal repercussions is not admitting the shit. Yep. And after Batman and Selina take down Falcone, Riddler reappears and kills him. Yeah, which again, great fucking scene when they go into the iceberg lounge to do that. And again, the twins pop up, which I love that was a recurring thing. I like when Bruce Wayne goes in to get the info from Falcone. He's like, Do you know who I am? He says it again. They're like, Bruce Wayne. Like they're kind of like surprised and impressed. Yeah, they're like, wow, that's ballsy. You're over here. <laughs> yeah, I love this weird, like, you know, Falcone and Bruce relationship where like Fal- you know, Thomas Wayne saved Falcone's life. Bruce watched. That was very that was in the uh, long Halloween cartoon. And Bruce comes up to Falcone while he's you know getting stitched up, and Falcone tells him, uh, we like all we get is what we take. And it's like something that's stuck in Bruce's head all his life. Mm. Well, it's me, and it makes the relationship interesting because it shows that, in a way, Falcone has a little bit of a soft spot for Bruce. As long as Bruce doesn't do anything, he won't fuck with Bruce because of what his father did. There's a there's a bond there because his father did something good for him. Then hey, I'll watch out for you, but you know, don't fuck with me. But I will watch out for you. However, Batman wants this fucker gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so when Riddler kills him, uh, they go to investigate Riddler's apartment. They find Edward Nashton in a diner across the street, just waiting for the cops. That's you know, the next part of his plan. I love the, the smugness in his face of like, I am smarter than everyone in this city. And I know. I love, and I love how he keeps saying like, I'm waiting for this. I ordered whatever food he ordered. <laughs> I ordered pumpkin pie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Riddler's apartment. I love the tease that he might know Batman's identity and the way they go with that was so smart. I, I love that because they got me and they got me and Josh were like, dude, they got us. Cause I really thought like, shit, he knows Batman. I was like, okay, that might be the connection they're talking about. I was like, he just happens to know his identity somehow. He figured it out. But then like the ultimate reveal was so fucking well done how they did that bruce wayne just like singing it a couple times and being like we didn't get him but we got the rest of them didn't we batman yeah and you can see they like click on our present like oh shit he doesn't know who i am and he's fucking insane <laughs> and that i love in that then that's when we get revealed the ultimate uh the ultimate game plan and the look on fucking Pattinson's face when he reveals, like, I have bombs along the seawall. And he's like, where are they? Where is that? There's the trigger. Where's the trigger? It'd be hilarious if he just goes right back into bail mode. Like, Aah. I love if he starts quoting the lines, like, where is she? Where's Rachel? <laughs> I do love that in that scene, in the trailer, the what have you done? I didn't quite catch it in the trailer. Oh, no. But in, I'm glad they used different takes in the movie because that was tense as hell when he's just trying to break the glass. Like, whatever you're done, like freaking out. That yeah. was great. Yes. Cause yeah, I will say that was one of those moments. That was one of the few, few moments in the trailer. I'm like, that didn't really work. How you want to put down the trailer, but luckily 
it works extremely well. I mean, like you said, the way he's like the music's going up, he's banging to the point where you feel like he's trying to break that fucking glass. Like he again going into that thing, like this is a young Batman. He hasn't he doesn't know how to turn it off yet. And he has all this rage. You're seeing it right there. He wants to break that glass and beat the shit out of that guy and get his answers. And Riddler's singing Ave Maria, which is so creepy. Uh, yeah, I love, I do love the moment where Riddler's like, I did it for you. Aren't you proud of me? Like, we did this together, man. And Batman's like, you're a nutball. Like, you're insane. You are crazy. What's wrong with you? And Riddler starts crying like, no, no, we were, no. We were friends. Like, he's, oh, I also dude, love. Paul Daniel, man, fucking crushed it. What a lights out, fantastic performer. Um, I also like how they stuck with Riddler's like comic book thing, which is that he's a genius, self-proclaimed, brilliant mind who can never figure out Batman's identity. And I love that when it's revealed, like there's been times when people have told him like it's Bruce Wayne. He's like, no, that's not possible because he didn't come up with it because he didn't figure out it's got to be a lie. <laughs> so like he's been told several times it's Bruce Wayne and he just refuses to believe it. I love that, like, the Batman comics have gotten to a point where they've gone around so long that, like, there's so many times where people are like, dude, it's Bruce Wayne. And, like, it's become not necessarily a secret. Everyone's like, yeah, it's Bruce Wayne. Like, Jesus Christ. The, the reclusive millionaire that doesn't do shit for the city that never comes out during the day. Yeah, it's Bruce Wayne. The reclusive billionaire who was never seen at night and somehow built a giant, like, layer without the use of contractors. No. Like, there's at least two construction companies in this city that have been paid off to not say a word. <laughs> so we won't put the Batmobile over there. Did you say Batmobile? If you sign an agreement. I'm sorry, the Wayne car goes over here. <laughs> and the Bat plane, I mean the Wayne plane. <laughs> the Wayne, it's the, it's the Wayne cave. Like it's just, he just says like, it's my man cave. It's like, but you have the, it's your mansion. You don't need a man cave. Don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> I'm paying you, aren't I? I'll make my cave. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I just yeah. I, I think about what's, that. What's the theme of this cave? Bats. Huh. I, would, I would love if like he said that and then just stared at him deeply, just bats. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yeah, I love that the guy's just like, huh? Bats? Huh? Is that right? Interesting. I don't know, but there's no way he did that all on his own. Um, So Riddler fucking bombs the city like at specific points to flood the fucking Gotham. I was genuinely shocked that it worked because you don't see that. And so when they were when he was describing his plan and the horror on Bruce's face as the bombs are going off. I'm like, holy shit, he did it. And as Riddler's like online, I love he's like, hey, hey guys, it's Riddler here. Like, thanks for the subscribe, like subscriptions. I'm like, God damn it, he's a he's a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, do I like love how the, you the voice for that. Yeah, the casual just like, hey guys, it's me, Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> I love this whole idea of like when this final act is done, I will be in police custody. So I am counting on you to see this through. Like and the legions that follow him in the name of like chaos. It's crazy. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed like the cult of Villa, whatever you want to call it, that they did. Like that was such a, a cool take to do with it. And 
I guess unfortunately, like timely, because there are people that would do shit like that. Um, as we yeah. kind of see in the news. Um, but I do love when they all, you know, conglomerate in Gotham Square, Gotham Square Garden, which was cute. And mm-hmm. uh, the mayor's like, <laughs> the mayor comes out, it's like, I'm not going to be, you know, privy to fear. Like, I'm going to stand up again. And she goes out to like, please, people pay. Like, I need your attention and is immediately shot. Yeah. That kind of made me laugh a little bit. And Gordon, like a G, gets out there. Yeah. I love he's, he's like, like you're going to. Hope he warns her, like, you're going to get shot. He's like, not, no way. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Gordon's like, you don't, don't, Mayor, you don't need to go out there. Don't do it. <laughs> we have good authority that you will get shot. Like, please don't do it. Just listen to me. And the Riddler Legions, I love when Batman falls through the ceiling, like, blows up the ceiling. Say, yeah, his entrance. When he blows up the entire ceiling, I was like, oh boy, he's pissed. He's he's on a mission now. And then just starts wrecking those assholes. Again, taking big shots to the chest. At one point, like a shotgun blast takes him down. Yeah. Which I makes love- sense. A shotgun that close, like yeah. It, you gotta have some pretty good bulletproof shit going on. That's going even then, that's gonna hurt. And then he takes out of his belt a mysterious green liquid that he injects into his leg immediately stands up and is rage fueled and starts beating the holy shit out of this guy. Now it could be adrenaline, but this is a Batman movie. I say that's venom. That's Bane's super steroid. Josh said the same thing. I was like, I was like, that could be adrenaline. But I was like, there's no way in this Batman film that has already photos with some Easter eggs here and there throughout. I was like, there's no way that this isn't, venom and this isn't like a possible you know hint hint at maybe seeing matt reeves's take on bane dude they would reeves would not make it green if it wasn't venom yeah there's no everything he said about this film his clear love for this fucking comic in general and everything he was doing would told me like oh my god there's our bane reference like holy shit i would love a nightfall movie where Bane breaks all of his villains out of Arkham and Blackgate wears Batman down then takes him on himself that would be a great way to showcase the villains of this universe give everybody a moment to shine that would be sweet oh that would be oh my god yes Um, because yeah and then what's cool about that is that if it is it raises a lot of questions like how did Bruce get his hands on it why is Bruce using it like yeah that'd be a great follow-up like maybe you know part two maybe batman starts to get a little you know addicted to this stuff yeah because that shit it fucking woke him up he got up there and he didn't stop beating the shit out of that dude until gordon came in and told him to calm down and i like how in that scene you can even see like gordon is a little scared like the guy he's built a trust with is damn near about to kill this dude I love that Selena comes in, saves Batman's life, establishing that partnership, which was which was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he pulls, when Gordon pulls Batman off that guy, and, they, and Batman's just like, ah, oh, oh, like still just super yeah. wired. And I love that the dude is uh, the guy that Bruce saw at the funeral, and he's Gordon asks like, "Who are you?" And he says, "I'm vengeance." Yes. And that's when Batman realizes, "What have I done?" Yep. <laughs> I fucking I love that. I love, like, everything about, I mean, again, like, when Gordon pulls him off and he, you see Bruce, like, still amped up, 
And like even that little look they kind of exchanged where Gron's like, you kind of you can tell he's looking at him like, dude, what the fuck? Like, calm down. And then, yeah, the dude's you know that callback, and then the dude's saying like, I'm vengeance, and them doing that again. It's just like it's fucking awesome. Um, but then like following that, you know, Bruce or Batman saying, okay, then I gotta do something. Essentially, I gotta do something good now, and fucking jump into that pole. To cut it and fall into the goddamn water with a whole electrical system holding on. That was great. And I love when he, he comes out of the water with the flare, uh, rips open that cage or whatever, and extends a hand. And everyone's terrified except for the boy who grabs Batman's hand. And that inspires everyone else to be like, maybe this guy's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Again, going back to that beginning thing we talked about with the guy, like, please don't hurt me. Um, yeah, everyone's scared. No one wants to do it because, yeah, okay, yeah, he came in and essentially saved the day, right? He fucking took care of business up there. But again, it's a year or two Batman. They don't know what to think of him. They don't know if, like, this guy is going to turn and, you know, hurt civilians. Um, so you see that hesitation. And then, like, yeah, the kid who was, again, saved by Bruce Wayne earlier, you know, has seen, clearly has hope the hope that he needs to just be like, no, I trust this person because he's taking care of the bad guys. And I wonder if, I wonder if that kid will be, uh, you know, now that he's an orphan, I wonder if that's going to end up being Dick Grayson. Mm, I wonder. Maybe. I, I think Robin deserves a redemption arc. And as far as I'm concerned, we didn't really get it with Nolan's fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. They, he didn't, I don't think he had the, he had the balls to go there. No, but I feel like Matt Reeves does because Matt Reeves did nothing but show me that he has extreme confidence. Dude, I want, life. I want the Red Hood story so bad. Oh my god, that would be, yeah. You mean the storyline they got teased when Snyder was attached to all this shit, and then it never happened. Dude, part two, time jump. Jason Todd is Robin. It's a Joker movie. He kills Jason Todd at the end of part two. Part three is the Red Hood. That would be cool. That would rock. Yeah. Um, okay. oh, speaking of fun fact, I don't know. I know we don't do the fun facts. I forgot to tell you beginning. So I had read, and it was corroborated with Matt, uh, Matt Reeves. Ben Affleck actually approached Matt Reeves about directing this when Ben Affleck was still attached to be Batman and everything. And he was trying to stay on board, but just take off some of the duties. And he approached Matt Reeves and said, like, hey, would you want to direct this? Matt Reeves read the script. And so he's like, hey, look, I, I like what you're doing. He goes, but if I'm doing this, I have to do it my way. I, I, I can't. Like, I'm not the guy. Like, Matt Reeves is just talking half like, no. Wow. That's. <laughs> and, hmm. Yep, here we are. And I guess they remember that. And Warner Bros. liked whatever he was pitching and said, like, hey, do you want to be the one that, like, does this instead? Jesus. He is about to be Warner Brothers' new golden boy. Yeah. Uh, gun, apparently beautiful i would love that kind of you know contrast let matt reeves do the serious shit let james gunn give us some levity right give have me have the super awesome batman just for peacemaker to talk about how batman should kill his villains in a really funny scene <laughs> um so riddler's a little despondent because he lost the city did not fall the way he wanted it to it did flood pretty badly Oh yeah, there's some bad flooding. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a bit. People, it's gonna smell for a while. It's gonna be musty. Yeah. 
it's it's going to take a while for businesses to open back up. This is where Mr. Freeze comes in. He could, you know, take care of all this. Just freeze it. And, well, I don't know. That's kind of where he stops. It's freeze. I was like, where are you going with this? Where he stop? Aquaman could move the water. That's true. Well, can he control? I don't think. Can he control no, water? He no, you'd have to talk to the fish or fuck the fish as Peacemaker think- <laughs> kept joking about. I don't think is. I guess maybe the Flash, he could like move his arms real fast, make a tornado. I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. No one can save Gotham. That's just what we're getting at. Get the bat hose and suck all this water up. <laughs> uh, but Riddler's like, damn it, what happened? And this voice from an adjacent cell in Arkham starts talking to Riddler about how, you know, one minute you're on top of the world and the next you're a clown. And all of a sudden, everyone goes. <gasps> and- yeah, dude, until he started saying that and they showed his face, I mainly at first was like, is this Two-Face? Like, I was there going, who the fuck is this? And then when he said that line, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. shit. And look, so I'll say it now. Because I know I mentioned a while back, I would be okay if they just did not worry about fucking Joker because we get, we've had so much Joker. And I understand he's like, it's watching me. I get so I, it's not on, I get it. I'm saying I was tired. I am so in love with this ward of Batman and what Matt Reeves is doing. Fuck what I said earlier. I'm an idiot. I can admit it at this point. I want to see his version of Joker. Absolutely. Joker fatigue immediately went away. As soon as I heard Barry Keegan laugh. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, we haven't had a good Joker live action because I don't want to put Indians on the Lego Batman Joker who did crack me the fuck up um, since Heath Ledger's take. Sure. It was Jack Nicholson, then it was Heath Ledger. Yeah. You know, I I really don't know who the fuck to blame on Jared Little's portrayal. I, I, Warner I Brothers. Think, yeah, I'm going to honestly say a mixture of him and Warner Brothers. I'm just being completely honest. Um, so <laughs> we haven't had a good take. So Matt Reeves, and even the little bit we got here, I'm like, bring it on. Let's see if we can get another good take. Let's see if we can get our third favorite Joker now. Um, yeah, Barry Keegan is an, a guy I wouldn't have really thought for the Joker, but in this brief bit, I mean, just the face alone, like the, we, it's, it's shadowed, but it looked scarred and freaky and like a really neat demonic Joker. And I, I love that he's already in Arkham. Like him and Batman have clearly tangled before, but not in, you know, any substantial way. Uh, no. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it makes it to where, like, I'm excited on how they'll do that relationship. Because, um, again, it's a two-year act of Batman. They clearly tangled enough. So has he inflicted that kind of fear that we've seen in prior incarnations where Batman is fucking terrified of the Joker? Um or, you know, even, like, when it's been brought up, like, the Justice League can take care of it, he's like, no, 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 no. Stay the fuck away from him. I got this. Like, you know, that kind of level, or is it, like, kind of what we got in, like, The Dark Knight, where he's finding out how crazy this dude is? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. to. I hope it's, like, they've been, you know, they've met before. This is an ongoing battle. Like, I want that. I want to be dropped in the middle of a Batman-Joker relationship. Yeah, 
I would think because Matt Reeves has been such a good job, good job of giving us what we haven't gotten before cinematically, that we would finally get one where we do see the fear, you know, with that fear, that theme of fear in Batman, and that they had a pretty substantial enough battle that Pattinson is, if he were to get out, Pattinson would be fucking terrified. His version of Batman, like, oh shit, not this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's the movie, really. Uh, nine out of ten, but with repeated viewings, it 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 has potential to become a ten. Same nine out of ten. I I agree. I stand by it, and I mean this as no insult to what we've got with Michael Keaton, what Nolan gave us with his Dark Knight trilogy. This has become my favorite cinematic adaptation of Batman. I'm just so in love with this. Um, very few negatives. It's probably why too. I just I am so entrenched. The word I did not feel the runtime. You know, I was I was really worried going. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be a three-hour fucking movie. Um didn't feel a fucking second of it. Was absolutely locked in the whole time. Um I'm so glad Passon's blowing out of the water and can shut the fucking haters up. Fuck you guys for holding on to Twilight. Actors act. Like get over it. <laughs> yep. And, and if not, yeah. well, haters gonna hate. So oh my god. Matt Reeves has a trilogy planned, and there are two spinoff series in development at HBO Max. So Warner Brothers is clearly betting heavy on this, and I think the bet's going to pay off substantially. So bring it on. I, I'm looking forward to just being entrenched in Batman entertainment for the next few years. Exactly. It's like Suicide Squad. I was so, so in love with that award, and then, like, unfortunately, we're not getting the sequels that will, may or may not have been talked about. But they're doing these shows now, and it's like, yes, give me more. Like, I want more. Like, I was telling a lot of people, you know, I'm, I've still been thinking about it. I saw it on Thursday night. I've still been thinking about it. I want to go back to this world so bad. That's how much I loved it. I haven't had a film in a very long time do that for me. Where I'm like, I want to go back. Give me more. I want to stay in this world as long as possible. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, and I, I knew this was going to be great. I'm so happy I was right. This was remarkable. I'm very excited uh, for the future. Yeah, worth the wait. Uh, I, I second, I don't know if I said it, but I second the 9 out of 10. I give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Sweet. Uh, well, that's the show, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, you can always follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Filmgasm Productions. You can send us a message anywhere through there, or you can email us at filmgasm.gmail.com if you want to send us feedback or suggestions. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. We appreciate anything you want to throw at us next week. We've got two streaming releases to discuss on Netflix. We've got the sci-fi comedy, the Adam project starring Ryan Reynolds and on Disney plus we've got the latest Pixar adventure turning red. So that's next week's show. Uh, Adam project looks decent and Pixar rarely misses. So I think it's going to be a good week. Yeah. You know, coming off like a pretty heavy film like this, it will be, as, high, as great as I love from, it will be nice to have a weekend of more lighthearted fair. Um, yeah. And both streaming, so I can just watch it in the comfort of my home, not go to the fucking theater. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, I, I stand by, like, right now, with the, it currently looks like Netflix is trying a little bit harder this year so far. Adam Project looks like it's going to be fun. I know it's the same director as Free Guy. That nice. inspires some, yeah, that inspires some hope in me, because I did actually quite enjoy Free Guy. Um so and yeah, I am I'm looking forward to Disney Pixar thing. I, I still think it's weird that Disney is just absolutely not 
putting any Pixar films out theatrically for fuck. I don't know who pissed Disney off at Pixar, but whatever. It's weird, but I do, you know, I'm enjoying it because I don't have to watch it with a bunch of, you know, random loud children. <laughs> or admittedly, they make those films for families to go see, not like dudes in their 20s. I know, it's just annoying. I, I, plus, it gives me flashbacks of working kids' movies at Draft House, which was a fucking nightmare. So many small cups, so many popcorn bags, so many half-finished milkshakes. It's just, I have, yeah, crazy. But, you know, this is my couch, it's my TV, and it's my time, so I'll enjoy it. Uh, don't miss Jeepers Creepers on Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast, Cruel Jaws on Friday's Beyond the Bad, and Coco on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week. Keep watching movies.